Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Banned from Ringside. Tonight on the Banned from Ringside podcast, we have your Extreme Rules recap. Brock Lesnar shows back up. Gallows and Anderson show up on Raw. We got a ROH title match on Dynamite. Okada, huge upset over Jonah. And Tender Mahal is here to talk about the From Dust Till Dawn event here in St. Louis, Missouri. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band for Ringside podcast. <laughs> All I can say is, people, buckle up. This one's going to be real interesting. Ditch that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. Welcome to the Band from Ringside Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Jack and the Squash. <laughs> and sitting directly across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? <laughs> oh, shit. I was going to do a little DX, but I'm just going to save that just for the, the sake of time. So I'll just cut to the chase. I'll just ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, volume 278. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the Good Smart saying, hashtag boo the heels, it's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. We got Tinder Mahal in the house. We're going to talk a little dust from dawn, talk a little professional wrestling in the, on top of that, and a whole bunch more. Like I said, I got an interesting feeling this is going to be a very uh, intriguing show to say. The least. And out there in Portland, Oregon, the Pacific, great Pacific Northwest of the United States of America, we have two beers. Zach Coleman, what's going on, two beers? BFR Weston House. I'm feeling raunchier than the 2001 Raw, guys. Uh, I just hope that that upset comment didn't get anybody too upset, especially <laughs> our official New Japan Pro World. Oh, yeah, he's the only one that likes it. He's the Number only one, one that fan. likes it. And sitting right next to me, freezing his ass <laughs> off in 60-degree weather, we had to, he had to borrow a hoodie from me. <laughs> I'm out here in flip-flops. We have Tender Mahal, Joey O'Farrell. What's going on, Joey O'Farrell? Man, I cannot believe you guys have not been canceled yet. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Joey is here. Story: to- We have been marked on uh, YouTube for a uh, violation of their uh, YouTube uh, policies for uh, explicit language. Yeah, they're pussies. <laughs> uh, Vice is also hanging out in the background. We don't have enough equipment for him, but it is a party here tonight. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, before we get too far into it, uh, tend to Joey O'Farrell, let's say I'm going to use your professional name, your Christian name. Um, Government name. Houston not let us use it on the podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about the event that he is promoting, which is the From Dust Till Dawn event, wrestling fun. It's going to be a fun show. We talked about it uh, last week. It is going to be, well, I'll let him give you all the details. We are coming at you from gorgeous. St. Charles, Missouri. The baby is asleep. The dog is going fucking nuts. There's too many fucking people here. The wife is at work for a minute. She's going to be gone for a while. Uh, there's a new challenge that started this week that I have DVR'd. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, it's a hell of a night. And then I'm going to wake up tomorrow at 6.45 a.m. and be like, I, you did it again, Bill. Why'd you do it? You don't have to stay up that late. But uh, without further ado, let's talk to Joey O'Farrell. All right, so we, Joey O'Farrell, friend of the show, if not the uh, the fourth, fourth the fourth BFR member. Sorry about that, Murray man, but he was he's here first. You yeah, were you were the Pete best. Um, so uh, Joey, the last, uh, how would you 
describe the last show that you put on? Before we talk about From Dust Till Dawn, which is the show coming up here next weekend, let's talk about Live at the Grandel, which uh, we talked about last week on the podcast, which we, I feel, and I, I feel like I speak for everybody that went to the show, was a rising success. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, it was my first show, and we really did, you know, you never really know how that stuff's going to go, but uh, I picked the right talent for the most part, and it was it was great. Um, you know, Josh Alexander, Moose, uh, Tennille Dashwood, uh, Kalisto, um, West Coast Wrecking Crew, which I thought West Coast Wrecking Crew, uh, New Japan World, Royce Isaacs, Drell Nelson, I thought they had the best match of the night. Kind of stole the show. With uh, technical difficulties. I mean, really. So that's why I'm bringing it back for one more show. <clears throat> there was not a bad match on the card. It was a fun event. What is going to make this one even better? And give us the deets. Well, I think, you know, with STL versus the world, it's more it's more about STL competition versus the best in the world. And this, this is more loose. Like, So I wanted to do something that felt a little different because, you know, we're not – we're not your basic wrestling company where we're doing a show every month or every two months even or every three months even. Like, I want to do a couple events a year and have them be special and have them have the production and just be fun. And, I, you know, STL versus the world's more of, a, like, a serious event. So I wanted to do something that was more, as Chris Jericho says, sports entertainment. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? All kinds of fuckery going to be happening on Saturday night, huh? But also, you know, we, we try and keep the Grandel uh, STL versus the world of it. It's, it's very it's very exclusive. It's only the best talent in St. Louis. So, and there's a lot of talent in St. Louis. There's too there's too much talent to fit on one show. So this is also a good opportunity for me to get some of the people that weren't I wasn't able to put on that show on this show. Um, and also, like you know, to bring in some of the best indie talent in the world. Uh, so with this show, you know, I love Halloween. It's a great time to do something. Like my favorite pay-per-view growing up was Halloween Havoc. I loved Halloween Havoc. When I go back and watch those, those were some of the most memorable matches slash events I've ever seen. So I have a lot of people around me that are involved in the horror movie world. One of my, like, favorite B-movies ever is from Dust Till Dawn. I think it's a great movie. It's a banger. Yeah. So, Sell I, my high you know, let me explain something. I, I, I know you guys understand this, but... But the venue that we're doing this at, Pops uh, Nightclub and Concerts, it's a very special place. It's a oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And Definitely. It's, you know, when you think oh, about it, like, memories. when you think about From Dust Till Dawn, it's like you go into, it's like, you know, it's this fun kind of uh, trucker bar. And, you know, it's, it's very basic. You know, it's kind of like Roadhouse. But then after, like, you know, a certain time, everybody turns into vampires and they eat, they eat the customers. Pops is kind of like that, you know? Like, you can go to a show there from, like, a 7 to midnight. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Yes. It's great, safe. Yeah. Um, but after about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, when everybody starts coming over from the bars and getting rowdy, and, you know, it, it kind of becomes a whole other place. Um, I have a funny story about Pops. I think Pop we all do. Pop Pops, is, yeah. Pops is the kind of place, I, I mean, I, I've spent... I spent a week in there one night, you know, like it's the type of place I've, I've seen. I've walked out of there with the sun coming up more times than I care to admit. Yes, um, it's also the t it's I think it's only closed 12 hours a year from noon on Christmas to midnight. Now it's a little different because of the because of COVID and everything has kind of changed that. Gotcha. But they I think now they open from like at 11 at night to like like. I think ten the next day. That being said, I've seen Clutch there four or five times. I've seen Mastodon there twice. I I have I've seen lots of good 
metal shows, but it's not necessarily a metal place. It's it's a great place that's on the east side. And for those of you from St. Louis, you know what Sage is. One time we were walking in there, we were go- getting on the bachelor party, getting ready to go to the strip club. Shocker! And there's and there we were walking in. Can you two giggle monsters let us go- fucking have a professional conversation here? So um, we were walking in there, walking into a bachelor party. And they had you had to walk through a metal detector, and they had plexiglass up before you could walk in. And a guy who was like cousins with my buddy, whose bachelor party was, he was like, "What kind of place is this?" And right when he said that, some chick shoved another chick's head like right against the plexiglass, and she was like smashed up against it. I was like, "It's this kind of place." <laughs> well, I mean, let, let's let's let's. I don't want to scare anybody. Like, it's a very safe place. <laughs> you called it from dust till dawn. Uh, it, it, it is from dust till dawn. But it's a very safe place until about 3 or 4 in the morning, and then yes, things kind of change. Yes, and this was this was at 2 a.m. when yeah. this happened. So This is not going to be when the show is. The show no. starts, the doors open at 6. Yes. show starts at 7. Give us three hours, we're done. Yes. Be about a three-hour show. Be about a three-hour show, and tell us about some of the talent that's going to be on the show. So, yeah. So... Some of the talent, basically, like this, like I said before, this is going to be an event. So, like, we're going to have, we're going to have like dancing vampire girls. We're mm-hmm. going to have pyth- real pythons. Yes. We're going to have Clownvis, who I mean, I don't know if people know who Clownvis is. You kind of talked about it a little bit. Clownvis is the ultimate entertainer. He travels all over the world. Um, he's from here. He lives 15 minutes from Pops. Um, he was excited to do this and come be a part of this. A very unique, hilarious act. And this isn't his first wrestling show. He's done other wrestling shows. That doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. He is a very talented, very, very funny person and the exact type of person that you want to host a wrestling show like this. Thank you. Bar none. Absolutely. The guy. Yes. You could bring in Martin Short and Steve Martin. I'd be like, get Clownvis instead. And real quick, just in case people are wondering, he will, he, he will be doing a few songs. So there will be some singing, some I love dancing. It. Um you know, we're doing a lot of really fun stuff. We're gonna have our, we're gonna have sets. We're gonna have all the kind of like spooky decorations. So, anyway, as far as the talent goes to open the show, I'll give you a little sneak peek. We're gonna have two guys who are St. Louis guys who have never had a match with each other. Um, that's Davey Vega, Spitfire Davey Vega, um, who wrestles everywhere and uh, one of the most popular wrestlers here, uh, Mike Outlaw. So they're gonna go out there, and, and I know they're gonna have a banger match. Um, we're bringing in. Uh, Kaya McKenna from the from the East Coast. She's a Black and Brave student. She's been around for for a few years, and she's just such a talented performer, a great person. I think people are going to be really wowed by her. Um, and then you know we're bringing back, uh, like I said, we're bringing back uh, Jarrell and Royce from West Coast Wrecking Crew, and they're going to have a match with Davy Richards and Rocky Romero. So that's going to be a fun time. Like you're talking about two guys who were Ring of Honor champions, who were New Japan. Uh, tag team champions. I mean, Rocky Romero was just doing color commentary on the New Japan event that just happened on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Declaration of power. He'll be at Pops in a week. There you go. Um, and then, you know, there's this guy out of, um, he comes out of Booker T school. It's called Mysterious Q. And this guy is, he'll he'll be in one of the companies, big companies within the next year or two. Uh, he is a powerhouse. And he is one of the most athletic people I've ever seen. And he's going to go up, up against um, one of the most talented wrestlers in St. Louis right now. I'd say the, the hottest wrestler in St. Louis right now in Camaro Jackson. Um, they're going to have Stud. They're going to have a father. They're going to have a banger of a match, I'm sure. Um, and then we got 2D Lynn versus Monique Jenkins. Uh, Monique 
is she's been in NXT, she's been in NWA, she's done a lot of stuff. She doesn't she hasn't been around this area though, and she is she is one bad sister. Like she is gonna give take two to the limit for sure. Um, really excited about that one. And then our main event, you know, we have two guys in our main event, Gary Gary J and Thomas Shire. Everybody knows Gary J. Yes. Everybody knows what Gary J's been through. Um, but these guys have had, you know, three or four matches where one guy's barely left the ring, you know, barely left the building. He's been so injured. I mean, for God's sakes, Thomas threw Gary into the third row on for, concrete. For the people that don't know, though, what has Gary J been through? I mean, think about somebody picking you up on their shoulders and twirling you around and throwing you four rows deep into a crowd and no one catching you and landing on the back of your head. I feel like I do this with this podcast every <laughs> single week. I put them on my shoulders, I twirl them around, I fucking toss them into But, yeah. yes, it, it, that, that is... Well, that's metaphorical, though. It actually happened to Gary J. Yeah, I mean, you got you got two you got two different guys who have kind of two different styles. Thomas was shit. trained by Dory Funk Jr. He's got a very much la- like um, old school wrestling background, and Gary's more of you know a brawler that can go. But these guys, they're going to go out there and they're going to re- they're going to have a long wrestling match. And basically, what a Texas Death Match is, which is what they're having, is a last man standing match. Yep. So. And s- the last guy to answer the count of ten, they'll probably they'll fight until the guy can't answer the count of ten. So after the guy can't answer the count of ten, the match is over. Um, I have no idea how Gary J will lose this match because that guy always gets up. He always seems like nothing nothing hurts him at least for an extended period of time. So I'm really excited for that one. Um, and we're we're revamping a lot of these characters. A lot of these guys are you're gonna see them, but it's not gonna be the person that you usually see. So yeah, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with that, with the characters, and um, trying to think what else is on the car. Uh, Dak Draper versus Moses. Uh, Dak's in NWA right now. He was in Hell yeah. Ring of Honor for a while. He's he's a great guy, just a powerhouse dude. Can go. Um, you know, there's still, there's a lot of good stuff on this card. We got a lot of matches on this card. So you called the guy that came from Booker T's school. What's his name again? Uh, Mysterious Q. You said he's the most athletic guy you've ever seen? He's unbelievable. Now, you've played softball with me. Okay. So, do you want to revamp uh, that statement at all? Uh, I don't think so. Now, <laughs> 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 say stick to your guns, Joe. Uh, don't, don't back down. No, but this guy is uh, this guy is really great, and I'm, I'm really excited for people to see. And, you know, obviously one of my favorite guys, too. I saw him a few years ago. Uh, he, he's out of Minnesota. His name is Jossie. And Jossie is one of the most charismatic wrestlers I've ever seen. Uh, former Black Wrestlers Matter champion, um, he's kind of been around. I've been around the world too. He's going to go up against um, what I think a, a you know one of the up and coming guys in St. Louis wrestling, Raheem De La Suede, who is a very like charismatic um, David Bowie type character, but can wrestle any style. Uh, he was in technical difficulties with Moses. We're kind of yeah. we're splitting them up and giving those guys a chance to kind of go out there and see what kind of single stars they are. Yeah, see what they can do now. I've never been to a wrestling show at Pops, but okay. when you told me that this was going to be at Pops, I thought about it and I was like, God damn, that's kind of the perfect place for a wrestling show because of the balcony that encircles three-fourths of the place for the stage. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've been to Pops, uh, we so I got a phone call like six months ago from someone and they said, hey, GCW wants to run Pops. Can you help us out? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So... You know, we worked out the date. We got him in there, and I also work at Pops. I do like uh, backstage production for all their concerts. So we got him in there, and they had a great show. It was a great setup, and I 
nothing against them because they were coming in cold. They didn't know the venue. GCW, you mean? Yeah. yeah. But there is so much production there, and the people there care a lot. So I knew that, like, man, if we really take the time and, you know, me knowing this place like I do, and they just put in, like, a $300,000 PA system, <sighs> brand, brand new. I mean, I can attest to the production value at Pops because, like I said, Clutch plays there every time they come yeah. through. They're basically my favorite band. I have screamed them in your ear on the way back from the Kentucky Derby a couple times. It, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they, it is a, it's a second to none type of show. It is a fucking great production value, great sound. It's a great room. And like I said, it, it, it feels like it was made for a wrestling show. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of times, one thing that I always have going for me and I try and get more and more knowledgeable as I go is I really don't think like a wrestler. I think more like a production person. Like, I'm a wrestling fan, and I love wrestling, and I understand wrestling, but I've heard when, that. It, when it comes to the details of actually putting together a show or an event, there's there's so many things that people really don't think about, and I try and I think about the fan first and what the fan would like to see and how it would make them comfortable, and I think if you come to this show, you're going you're gonna to be like, wow, it's like the ultimate fan experience with what they're doing, and, you know, as we go along, everything's going to get better with time. It's going to get bigger. Um, we appreciate everyone's support, but, like, please understand, like, if you grow with us, there is really no end to what this could be. I mean, I want to keep making this bigger and bigger and bigger as we go. And, you know, everyone who's worked with us has wanted to come back and work with us and be a part of it. And I think as, you know, if we can do a couple events a year and, and support the wrestling scene in St. Louis and even the Midwest, I think this could grow and become something really special. Yeah, and I remember you and I talking privately after the STL versus the world, and you were telling me about all the talent that was there and that how they all reached out to you afterwards almost to a man or a woman, and said, yeah, I, I will work with you again. That's another thing that's kind of underrated about this that's flying underneath the radar, at least for people that know you or know the scene, know the know the wrestling scene around here, is that you also got your first one under your belt, and it was a success. It fucking ruled. Uh, it was a really fun show, and you're only going to get better doing this also. And as your friend and as a fan – I'm excited to see uh, this next one coming up, and it's on October the 22nd. Correct. It Doors at 6, yep. show at 7. It's going to be three hours. There's not going to be anybody throwing anybody against any plexiglass. No. <laughs> There's not actually going to be any vampires. No, no light tubes, yeah. Um, George Clooney might be there yelling at Harvey Keitel. Did I hear that right? You, you never know, man. Yeah, it's maybe, a maybe, a special guest, maybe a special guest referee or something. Unconfirmed. But, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. So, Joey, give us one last sell. Give us all the deets one more time. Sure. Um, Saturday, October 22nd. I guess I didn't say the prices. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Saturday, October 22nd. Um, there'll be seating available for everybody. I'm going to burp real quick. Hold on one second. Unprofessional bullshit. <laughs> Man, Got him. That was a softball. Right? Yeah, it really was. It really was. <laughs> softball. <laughs> Go ahead. Give us to it. Give it. Give it to so, us. So Saturday, October twenty second at Pops. Tickets range from twenty five to thirty five dollars. So we made front row seats, balcony seats, super cheap. Um, we're gonna have uh, like three or four rows of seating, and then in the behind that, we'll have like. Uh, tables with bar stools, so everyone, you know, if you want your own table, you can go for it. We're also going to have, real quick, before I forget this, um, we got a lot of great sponsors, Blue Duck, Terra Taco, Lucha Restaurant, um, Strange Donuts, and then we got some some match sponsors as well. Um, but Blue Duck is going to come into Pops and basically build a kitchen uh, at Pops, 
So we're going to have really just amazing food He's there. He's heating up. We're going to have amazing food there. So it's like you're going to a wrestling event, but there's like basically like a nice restaurant inside of it. Yeah, and it's Pops, so they have they have a full bar. Yeah, they have a full bar, so you're good to go there. Yep. Um, and then they, you know, like I said, like the the production there, the lighting, everything like that is is just second to none. We've hired the best lighting people to come in, the best sound people to come in. Um, Saturday, October twenty second, six p.m. to about I'd say show starts at seven, probably get over around ten, ten fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be a great time. It's gonna be safe. Don't be afraid. Don't and be afraid. I, I was messing around about I know, pops. I know. I, I'm not afraid to go no, there. I know. If I'm not afraid to go there, nobody but else should be either. I think it's a great way to spend your spend your Halloween holiday, and um, uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it and be surprised by some of the talent. Maybe they didn't know, but they're going to be really shocked how good these people are. And if you see any of the BFR boys there, come say hello, because uh, Two Beers Act's going to be in town, and Jason and I will both be there too. So, so. Two, i got to ask you guys real quick, uh, Two Beer, you two. Is there like a match you're looking forward to on the show that you're excited about? Well, I'm definitely looking forward to West Coast Wrecking Crew again, um, but I'm looking forward to the Quadfather. You said Mysterious Q is like the the next coming, so I mean, for somebody to say something like that for the wrestling that you you watched that we've discussed past present, okay, I mean you've set that bar pretty high, so before at that point. Yeah, I, my antenna is up for uh, Mysterious Q for sure. Before Zach answers, can this Mysterious Q, can he, do you think he could pitch a softball and hit the mat behind the plate? You think he could do that? <laughs> I could probably do a backflip at the same time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what are you looking forward to, Zach? <laughs> no, he's on the roster. No, he's really on the roster. <laughs> Zach, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to be spending the day at uh, my former employer and uh, close personal friends at uh, Four Hands Brewing. They were a sponsor of the Grandel, live at Grandel. Uh, so I'm going to be pretty lit, and I am going to be so stoked uh, to watch this deathmatch main event. Um, pure spectacle. Uh, it's going to be good. But I literally just bought tickets while you guys talked about it. It was painless, uh, super easy. I, we're BFR boys are going to be sitting in the front row balcony. Um, so, uh, just go out and get your tickets. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited to see all you guys there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, a lot of, uh, just a lot of entertainment, um, with Columbus and just the whole scene, the whole vampire scene. Um, actually one last thing. I had a eight foot double-sided coffin built for this. So when the wrestlers come out, they'll be, the doors will be opened by the vampire girls and the wrestlers will walk through a big eight foot coffin. That's what's up. So. That's what's up. <laughs> That's my dog, Jerry O'Farrell. vampire yeah. girls single? Um, <laughs> hey, man. Because I mean, Zach is not. They're vampires, you know? <laughs> <laughs> whatever. They're vampires. <laughs> whatever that, right, whatever, yeah, that, whatever that means. Whatever that means. Anyway, I'm shooting I'm my shot on the 22nd. <laughs> Mysteri- hey, Myster- real quick, Mysterious Q, go online, go to Twitter, Instagram, check him out. He's he's incredible. And so. is there a Twitter handle or a, a website that they can go to? Where should they buy tickets? Oh, popsrocks.com. Popsrocks.com. Yep. You, you heard it here. Uh, Joey O'Farrell, thank Thanks, you guys. so Appreciate much you. for showing up. And, uh, you know, we're going to look, I'm looking forward to it. It is a week from this Saturday. And like I said, the BFR boys will be there. So thanks, Joey. This is banned from ringside. Without further ado, let's get to that three count. One, two, three. All right, JCB, kick us off. Uh, hang out. Sorry, I was just paying Zach for the tickets. All right, good to go. So we're going to start with Extreme Rules on Saturday night um, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I thought this was an interesting card. Uh, we 
talked about it, obviously, last week. Made the predictions last week. Uh, do you want to talk about last week's predictions now? You want to wait? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, let's wait. I got to find them. Go ahead. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, man, six show card. Uh, for me, the, the biggest takeaway from this is probably the I quit match. Uh, I'm not saying it was the best match, but it was probably the biggest takeaway. Kudos to Bill for calling the finish. Uh, didn't think it wasn't going to be that kind of a way, but once he said it, and I saw Beth Phoenix come out. I'm like, I saw it. I'm like, son of a bitch. This I dude's going to be right. I think that was the same prediction where I go, listen, my predictions are never right, so don't <laughs> listen to me. And I, I finally nailed one exactly. I'm like, son of a bitch. He's right. So, obviously, uh, Finn Balor wins the I Quit match over Edge using Beth Phoenix as the threatening prop, so to speak. If you don't quit, we're going to fuck Beth Phoenix up. So, obviously, Edge does the chivalrous thing. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, while Rhea Ripley's holding the chair in my hand, I'm like, now what you should do is just go ahead and hit her with it. <laughs> Next thing you know, Rhea Ripley was like, what? I was like, yes, thank you. It is now perfect. As much as I was not even a real huge fan of Judgment Day, not even a lot of interest in Judgment Day, now it's come around to the point where they have made them at least viable Dominic Mysterio, too. I know he gets a lot of heat. You know, he can't act. He can't wrestle, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's giving. If you didn't care, you wouldn't probably talk about Dominic Mysterio. But guess what? You're running him down so you can hear a, a little bit of something. For me, I'll say the best match, my favorite match, was the opening match, the curtain jerker, yep. Imperium versus the Braun Brutes. I know they called this, uh, you know, old-fashioned Donnie Brook match. I don't care what you call this. Somebody's getting their ass kicked match because it's called for like a Mark Henry uh, throwback match. This was as physical of a match as the match was on Friday night on SmackDown, the match at Clash of the Castle. Same way, just in this scenario, it was three guys versus the one-on-one. Um, it almost made me wish there was trios titles in WWE, but that's just me being greedy because I like these six guys in the ring and I think they just – nobody really cares about, you know, the physical well-being. They are just out there to try to steal the show. I'm not saying that Sheamus puts, puts on five-star banger after banger after banger matches, but the track record kind of speaks for itself, at least as of late with Gunter slash Walter. From there, just quick rundown from the card. I'll let you guys take it from there. Obviously, Ronda beats Liv. Um Kane Ring Mohan Hamrod. Uh, Karrion Cross beats Drew McIntyre. Bianca Belair re- uh, retains. And then in the main event, Riddle versus Seth Rollins. Um, Riddle beats Seth Rollins. The leap off the, I guess, the catwalk, I guess, for lack of a better term. I thought it was going to be Seth Rollins doing that crazy shit. When he landed on, when Matt Riddle landed on Seth, and it hit, he hit the ribs, I was just like, ugh, no way. This, this is where this match is going to end. That looked painful as fuck as anything as I've ever seen in my life. Seth Rollins takes the fall, but obviously we'll be talking about Seth Rollins a little later on. Two Beer, what'd you think? Uh, overall, it was a solid show. Um, I was originally not going to be able to watch it live, but um, plans were canceled, which is my favorite thing to do. And we ended up uh, being Canc- able to watch this. Canceling plans are your favorite thing to do? Oh yeah, uh, there's like, nothing better. 
<laughs> it, it's just such dopamine. So married men. Nothing better than when you have something to do, and then they're like, somebody's like, ah, you know what? You don't have to do this anymore. It's like, oh, fuck yeah. Sweat's yep. on. <laughs> so good. Um, so yeah, I had a fun time with it. Uh, I mean, as far as matches, the Donnie Brook was great. You know, I would definitely recommend folks watching that if they didn't watch the show. And I loved the angle of Edge versus Finn, but the match itself was kind of boring until the interference happened. And uh, then it got really good uh, because it was just all about the angle and everybody played their part so well. Uh, Rhea Ripley is so good. Uh, Kudos to Bill because this is like uh, a thought that I hadn't had, but it's absolutely perfect. Like what she is doing right now is she's like in main event angles and she's an integral part of the television, but she's like fully separated from the women's division. And it's great because she's so dominant and she's such a character that she's getting over to the audience. And when she does set her sights on that, instead of Dominic Mysterio, it's going to be that much better. Not just for like the fans of Rhea Ripley from NXT. It's going to be fantastic for the art audience at large, because people are going to be behind Rhea, even though she's a super heel. But um, yeah, I love, I love that angle. Um, I like the Bray Wyatt return, you know, Interested to see where it goes. Uh, they didn't do anything totally Monday. We're going to wait till Friday. I totally forgot but, about that, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. I'm, I'm just, okay, well, then I was <laughs> thinking about that. No, I was thinking about that on the way here, and this is why I totally forgot about that. I'm just, I'm not nearly as invested as others are in Bray, even with this White Rabbit uh, gimmick that they had for his return. The last memories I had of Bray are not very positive by any stretch of the imagination i'm not sure what we're get what we're getting coming up so for me it's it's something that it's already has a negative connotation coming in and you're not giving me anything right now to make me think otherwise so it, it makes me want to see bray apparently he's going to be on smackdown so that's going to be his home for friday nights so at that point, like I said, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm willing to give it a chance this second time around under Triple H because, for the most part, he's gotten things right. Just like I said, that's the main for me. That's why I forgot about it. Don't get me wrong. Great presentation per usual. You know, they did it right, but I'm just not excited moving forward about Bray Wyatt. Yeah, uh, we'll just see. How it plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, my biggest takeaway was my favorite match was the the Brutes versus Imperium at the beginning. Uh, loved it. Also loved Gunther and Sheamus Friday night on SmackDown. Um, yeah, they have tremendous chemistry. We talked about it last week. I think that the I Quit match was really good. Um, it was predictable from my end because I predicted it. That's not that's not that's not me bragging, but that doesn't mean that's not uh, that doesn't mean that's not a well told story. Dominic Mysterio is getting so much heat, like just fucking nuclear heat from the crowds these days, and it is really fun to see because you could see something kind of click in him 
Saturday night. At least maybe you could see it before, but maybe I wasn't paying as much attention. But I was sitting there Saturday night watching it live by myself, and you could see something click within him where he's like, oh, he knows how to draw heat. And then Monday night, he was kind of playing the audience like a fucking fiddle. So good on him. That is uh, very much fun to see. I I really liked McIntyre versus Cross. I I had I had a couple posts on uh, Facebook or Twitter talking about how um, I'm not a real big fan of I quit matches. I don't really like last man standing matches, but I really like strap matches for some reason. I think that I think that something about them being connected by the strap uh, is really fun to me and. I enjoyed that. I liked the fight pit match. I mean, there was nothing that I really loved except for maybe the first match. Um, the fight pit match was good. I don't know why they got Carl Winslow from Family Matters to uh-uh. referee the match, uh-uh. but no. I no. thought that he did a good job. No, <laughs> Listen, you can say what you, you nah, can say man. what you want about look, Dana Cormier, look. but he did not look like he was ready to get in the ring. Look, and, and, well, I mean, the man's retired, right? He's a UFC Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Okay, so what? I mean. Does referees have to be in shape? No, but I thought to death. I mean, I expected Daniel Cormier to be in a little bit better shape. He did not. But he looked like Carl Winslow. I thought, Man. I thought that he would get physical, and I thought that they would lead to something for, like, Mania or the Rumble or something. No, and they saw him walk just, in. He looked like Reginald Van Johnson. <laughs> and they were like, we're not. So, like, okay, hey, man, go do the refing thing. And then that's fine. I bet he's older than Carl Winslow was when Family Matters started. I'm going to look it up. Wow. This motherfucker <laughs> here. Okay, so just for the record, it's Eddie Kingston, Sammy Guevara, and now Daniel Cormier. So if this motherfucker comes up missing, that's your first three top contenders. Daniel right Cormier there. is the only one that can beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> At least he put respect on his name. Um, I guess the one match we really haven't talked about, and for whatever reason, I'll let you guys decide on it, is the women's match between Ronda and Liv. Um, obviously, Ronda goes over by submission. Liv passes out with smile on said face. Don't hold on. What you mean? Why you giving me that look? That was my Stone Cold Lip Pipe Black of the Week. Okay, now see, hang on. All I, I did was make a face. Oh, like you're like my wife. Like if I make a face, you don't have to comment on it. You could just look at my face. Like like when I did when I would do a face the same way, you you would see, you would do the same thing. Oh, Jason's making this face over I here, would, so we'll get to him in a second. I'd probably finish my sentence. Okay, let's we'll see. Look, I ain't you. All right, see, I drive this car differently. Anyway, my point being is a. The lead pipe lock of the week needs to not be changed at the 23rd hour, okay? If it's going to be the lead pipe lock of the week, then make it the lead pipe lock of the week. I'm going to replace one of these. I'm going to replace one of these drops with just like a like a door slamming shut, like a big-time <laughs> steel door just being like, chink! <laughs> shut the fuck up. Two... Obviously, it should have been a match that was predictable. I picked Liv just to be contrarian, and you guys laughed at my face. That's okay. I'm a big boy. I can take it. Liv Morgan has no problem with no, I'm sorry, no business winning a match of this scenario. When you snatched the bat out of Liv Morgan's hands, that was pretty much the precursor of things to come, which it was. The tap out was a little nasty. Liv passed out with smile and sad face. So I guess now, I guess at the end where you see all the Bray Wyatt characters, Liv Morgan is rumored to be one of the Wyatt Six. Are you interested to see Liv Morgan now flip to be one of the Wyatt Six? Be, uh, 
Uh, hold on. Before we get there, before you answer, Zach, and I'll let you go first because I'm going to go check on the baby. Uh, Daniel Cormier is 43 years old. Reginald Vell Johnson, who played Carl Winslow, was 37 when Family Matters started. So, actually, calling da- Daniel Cormier Uncle Carl Winslow is an insult to Reginald Vell Johnson. Long live die hard. <laughs> I'll be right back. This motherfucker here. I swear. Uh <laughs> as far as you should see him, he's like running and walking in the house, you know, pumping his fists up in the air, like, yes, I win again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh so as far as interest in the Wyatt thing, you know, she's married to Bo Dallas, who's also rumored to be back. Um mm. he's Bray Wyatt's brother. So uh that I makes sense. I did know that. Yeah, it's like a total mismatch. Um at least for me, I don't know. But, uh, but uh, good on Bo Dallas. I ain't mad at you. Up yeah, top player, yeah good, up top. good for him. Good for him. But uh, you know, it's fine. Um, we'll see what they see what happens as far as Bray's creative stuff and um, his creative stuff is always good and entertaining. I'm not worried about that. It's it's really um, the booking that has been questionable, and he's not in control of that, and uh, Hunter's in control of that. So. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Okay, so uh, that, okay, hang on. Let's let's, st- let's stop there for a second because I was thinking about that too. If you had the pencil, are you booking him super strong like the Fiend, or are you just booking him strong where he wins a majority of matches, loses here or there? Is he a world title contender? Is he mid card? What would you do with pencil and ham? I mean, he's definitely not mid card. Um, the the pop that he got was not just a return pop. Like people see Bray Wyatt as a big star, and uh, I'm sure he's getting a big paycheck. So um, I think the dude's absolutely a main eventer. And but I would not book him like the Fiend. The Fiend killed everybody that he came across, with maybe the exception of Daniel Bryan, um, because Daniel Bryan's Daniel Bryan. They had that awesome strap match. Uh, he's pretty but, fucking over. Yeah, everybody else ended up worse. And actually, I, I saw an interview with Seth Rollins where he said exactly that. Um, he was like, everybody that faced Bray ended up worse for it. I wasn't the only one. But Seth Rollins is the most notable because it was the big of downgrade. I mean, Seth was like top guy, you know, ain't a inventor. And he got knocked down so far. And he's still like that guy. But, you know, then it took two and a half years for him to even get, he just got the U.S. title. So, yeah, you know what I mean? It, it was like 900-some days or some crazy shit where he hadn't he hadn't had a title. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's Yeah, ridiculous. and then he followed up that loss and him crying in the corner with like his worst gimmick of his career, of the career I've seen of him, which is the Monday Night Messiah. Terrible. Um, uninteresting. During the height of the pandemic, empty crowds it was just not good. But, um, but yeah, so I wouldn't book him as strong as the Fiend. But yeah, I mean, like protect him. Um, he's a big star. Uh, I'm in, interested to see how it goes, especially considering, you know, you say main event, but there's only one guy that has the main event belt. So what do you do with that? If you had the pencil, how would you book Bray Wyatt? I mean, you put him in. No, no, no. Bill just got back. I'm sorry. I said too weird. I should have said that Bill just got back. Did Tubi already answer this question? Yes. Um, is he a main eventer? Is he 
a um, a big car guy? Are you pushing? Well, I, I mean, I guess it kind of depends are on you, what. Is he pushed strong like the Fiend? Are you? Okay? It kind of depends on what his character is going to be. Like, I know they're talking about the Wyatt Six, so all the characters they showed are going to be part of his team or something. All right, I'm just going to speak from my heart, okay? Please. I'm I'm so skeptical of how this is going to work this time. And maybe having Hunter in charge instead of Vince gives me a little glimmer of hope. But when he came out and they started and they had like the distorted Firefly Funhouse music and then they were like showing people standing around the the arena in costumes I was just kind of like, like we're going back to this. It just seems maybe I have a bad taste in my mouth because it happened during the pandemic. Most of it. And like everything from that era, like really, when you think back to like empty arena wrestling shows, it's just such a fucking bummer. It's like, I just wish it didn't happen. Like I don't want to see COVID in my TV shows. I don't want to see fucking COVID in my movies. I don't feel like thinking about that era. And I would rather him come back and try something maybe not so different. Because maybe the key to doing something innovative in wrestling is to not go so far off the fucking beaten path. Maybe it's just to tweak it just a little bit. Maybe to turn 30% instead of turning 90%. Does that make sense? Yep. So it really depends on how how he wants uh, how. I mean, the first thing I'd do is I'd have him take over Maximum Male Models. <laughs> and I would... This is not a bad idea. It's actually not a bad idea. I was just joking, but it would it could work. Um, I, I don't know. That That's the thing. It's like Bray Wyatt. It's like he, he sits outside of everything else that's fucking normal. It's like, okay, so this guy rises from the dead. He's got all these supernatural powers, but he can't show up on Raw because he's got a SmackDown contract. It's like it doesn't exist in the fucking real world of, in the real quote-unquote world of professional wrestling. And I I get totally uh, on a shoot level why they want to save him for Fox. I just... I just want to see the dude wrestle. I don't want to see him wrestle in a mask. I don't really need Firefly Funhouse stuff. We've been through all of that. I just want to see him wrestle. I just want to see the guy wrestle. That's I think why I w- there's a possibility that this was, um, I think it's like, you know, I think they're going to try to do something fresh, but you do have all of that marketing built in. Uh, so just having those individual characters, um, you know, tying it back in and those are very marketable. It's all about branding and like selling shit. Um, I think that you can do something, but I, I agree that I, as much as, I love Firefly Funhouse and I thought it was entertaining. It's like, let's see him wrestle and not be the fiend. No red light, no mask. Right. Let's just see him wrestle. Like the QR code stuff and the Easter eggs in it and everything, that's totally fun for a return. But ultimately, you have Wyndham Rotunda coming back and he's going to have to wrestle in matches. He's going to have to have feuds. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's not a television show. It's not a fantasy show. It's not, it's not Lost or something. Like you have to have this guy wrestle in a ring because he's not going to have cinematic matches the entire time. Even though I loved the 
whatever match that was at, at that was the pandemic WrestleMania. John Cena. Yeah, it was really cool. It also didn't make any sense. And if they would have done it, I mean, it made sense. But if they would have done it during a normal WrestleMania year, I would have been like, what the fuck is this shit? Put him in the ring. I want to see him fake fight somebody, and I want to see somebody go over. So that that's a long way to not answer your question. What would I have him do? I would have him... I mean, who who would even go after? I guess he's got to go after some sort of... The guy that beat him for the title? Who was that, Goldberg? Roman Reigns? I mean, I, I, I don't want to see him against Roman Reigns. I don't want to see him against Roman Reigns because the the Bloodline Act, as it is now, has a borderline comedy element to it. And I'm that's that I'm not saying that as a pejorative. I am saying that it is working, but it is funny, it is very entertaining, and yet I take them seriously as a badass crew that could beat anybody. And to have to throw to throw Bray Wyatt and his supernatural bullshit into the middle of it would just really throw a wrench in it without like without them like completely exposing it for what it is, which is silly. Last like it takes a. I'm sorry. Supernatural bullshit. <laughs> it takes. It takes. Like, I was thinking it. <laughs> it takes so much. Like it really does. It takes so much suspension of disbelief to be an adult wrestling fan as it is. And then you throw Bray Wyatt into it. It's. I'll be honest. I, I'm just not that excited about it. I would have been happier. I and I also think that it kind of. Uh, I also think that it kind of. Pulled the rug out from under how good of a match the fight pit was. To have him just come out and, like, not be in an angle, but he's just going to come out, I don't know. It. I I know that I'm in a minority because I know everybody was super pumped for it. I know the place The place went fucking bonkers for it. I, no, I, I was like, please, I hope he doesn't come out. Shit, drag I mean, this shit out another week so motherfuckers can get mad. I, <laughs> I, I, just, I just thought it was – I thought it was fine. I don't know what you would do with them. I think they booked themselves into a corner by having him do this shit at all. Last question. So, obviously, Survivor Series is coming up. The rumor now is one of the possible matches is Bloodline versus this Wyatt family, whatever you want to call them. We'll just call them the Wyatt Six to be uh, just simple and plain. We'll start with two beer once again. I don't know. Obviously, we don't know who would be on the wide six team, but obviously you would have – it would be a five-on-five five because obviously the bloodline is five people. Roman Reigns obviously being in this, you know, supposed scenario. Any interest in a five-on-five five Survivor Series match with the wide six versus the bloodline? Two beer first. Uh, I mean, as long as they uh, put roaches on the ring oh, with some kind Christ of, like, projector – See, He's heating up. I'm down. KT is fucking no place. That's why we can't have nice things. I can see, you know, Bo Dallas is, is slated for return. Uh, you throw Braun Strowman in there, maybe even elevate it. I don't know what Randy Orton's injury situation is like, but you know, he's probably coming back for Riddle. But if you want, to, he was, you know, in that uh, mix. But you know, probably Liv and Alexa being like the Sherry Moon zombies of the. Uh, situation, but they wouldn't be in that match. But you could, um, 
you could tie some stuff together. I don't, I don't know historically if there's anybody else. Maybe bring back Eric Redbeard for a for a one-off. Um, I don't know. Uh, we can see. Uh, but, I mean, that sounds like a fine Survivor Series match. But uh, I kind of agree with Bill in the sense that Bloodline is the best thing in WWE. And I don't know if that meshes very well uh, at all. But we'll see uh, how it goes. Me next? I think that's the biggest thing is we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, uh, as far as matches, like, uh, on Extreme Rules, we didn't talk about the women's matches. Uh, I don't think either of them were uh, any good. I didn't think Liv and Ronda was going to be good anyway. Um, and it wasn't. It was sloppy. They were, like, constantly um, just messing shit up. Ronda's hitting her with this bat over and over again. And you talk about suspension of disbelief. It's like, dude, like, you get hit with a bat four times. Like, you're going to be on the ground, black and blue. Uh, but she was just pulling her punches so much. She was hitting her right in the ass with it, which still can be wrong. I'm getting a lot out of that. Uh, it's four ninety nine on Peacock, and I can just turn to it anytime I want, and I want to often. But it was just not good. Um, uh, Go ahead. I, I'll, 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 I'll speak to the women's match first. I'll answer Jason's question. Uh, am I, am I down with a Survivor Series match between the Bloodline and the Wyatt Six or whatever? Yes, I would be down for any Survivor Series style match at Survivor Series if it is a Survivor Series style match. I want them to have all sorts of them. I want them to have the fucking hurt business get back together and have omos join them fuck it like let's fucking go for it let's have some fucking factions uh that being said the well first of all jason what do you think about the wyatt the wyatt six versus the bloodline would you be interested in seeing that and then i'll talk about Liv, Liv ronda they would have to tie they would have to connect the dots for me and and when I say connect the dots, remind the public that once upon a time, not long ago, the Fiend was the world champion. And when Roman Reigns came back, he took it from the Fiend. Now, I don't care if it's the Fiend or Bray Wyatt or whatever manifestation thereof, um, that needs to be discussed, number one, if you're going to have these two cross paths again. Now, how you want to do it, I don't necessarily care. You can have, you know... Uh, after the Logan Paul match over in Riyadh, you can do it there if you want to, you know, have them cross paths that way and then build it up to the uh, the Survivor Series match. Um, it's just, for me, like I said, I'm just, I'm not a huge Bray Wyatt guy right now. And like, it, it just goes back to the WrestleMania match. The last time I saw it, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. It The little that we got from Raw didn't get glib- give much clarity. I would hope that SmackDown gives us a little more of a nugget to kind of see where we're going moving forward. It's only shit. I mean, we're like a month away from Survivor Series realistically now that you start if you start to think about it, it's what the the twelfth to thirteenth. So I mean, yeah, we're about a month away. It's if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen pretty quick. You know, it's going to start moving in the next couple weeks. I'll if it happens, I'll be interested. I'll be at least intrigued. I'm going to watch because, I mean, I'm with you guys. The bloodline is the, is the reason why I watch WWE for the most part. There's other great talent on there. But to me, the I was always a Roman Reigns guy once he flipped heel, adding Sami Zayn to the mix, 
is Comedy Central. Sola Sokoa is the enforcer, just gives it more of a, a true fashion feel. So for me, yeah, I would watch it. I just, like I said, I'm with Bill on this one. I, I need to know which Bray Wyatt, I guess, we're getting to see first. Sounds like everybody's with Bill on this one. Sounds like we're all, sounds like, well, we're all together on this one. Not everybody's <laughs> with Bill. We're all, we're all on the same page about this, which is rare. I'll, uh, in terms of the live Ronda match, I mean, like it. It was fine. I mean, it it wasn't very good. It didn't it didn't really hold my interest. Bianca Bailey was a lot better. Uh, Bianca going over strong was something I didn't expect to see, but something that I liked. It reminded me of when Roman Reigns stacked Daniel Bryan and Edge on top of each other. It's like, okay, this is my champion, and I'm going to have my champion go over strong. Now it looks like, uh, as far as Raw goes, that they're not done with that. Feud, which is something I'm not very into. Um, having the, if she goes over that strong, then Bailey should be out of there, like kayfabe style. Kayfabe style. But Ronda, Liv Morgan, it's like get get them both off my television. Like they like Ronda Ronda Rousey half asses it, and I don't know if she have. If that's her whole ass, then it's not good. Liv Morgan should not be at the top of the card when it comes to women's. She never should have had the title in the first place. I am well documented on this, and I haven't changed my mind. And I'm the type of guy that will admit when he's wrong. I'm going to say here, I was right the entire time. Liv Morgan never should have had the belt. It was an experiment. Now, well, look, we always give WWE shit about, you know, they never try anything. They, they, they should do this. They should give this person a chance, give that person a chance. They gave, they gave Lev Morgan a chance, and for whatever reason, it didn't work. For me, I'll just speak for myself, Ronda Rousey's the worst opponent that you could probably have her going up against no immediately. Doubt. Because Absolutely. it just it, – it doesn't – it's not – I can. I'm with Bill. I can only suspend disbelief for so long. If you built up to Ronda Rousey, if Ronda Rousey was basically the final boss, and even though Liv was the champ, you know she was, you know, beating people, you know, getting stronger, you know, building her up as a character in in the ring, and then Ronda Rousey came over after like three or four months and took the title away. Okay, you might have something to work with, but for whatever reason, it didn't work. Like I said, for me, I couldn't believe in any form or fashion that Ronda Rousey could be losing to Liv Morgan. All right, uh, I didn't. I didn't love the Bianca um, Bailey match. I thought that, that match was going to rule, but um, I think it being a ladder match just made it worse. You know uh, what? No I, no, I liked it. I liked it. You know what? I mean, Zach's right. It it wasn't the greatest match. I did like the finish. I like the Bianca went over. The finish was awesome. I like the Bianca uh, went over strong. I, point point of fact, point being, like, remember, like, uh, Bianca was, like, over the corner, setting up a ladder, like, on its side, all weird, and then just, like, went over and did her finishing move of, with Bailey holding the ladder, which was awesome, and then didn't do anything with this ladder that she had spent, like, a couple minutes, like, setting up awkwardly. Um, that's what I mean. Yeah, in the, in the sense that it wasn't as good of a match yeah. as like it could have been. But yeah, it's bad storytelling. It yeah, uh, it, it's just because they got to do these things. It's like, oh, it has to be a ladder match. Oh, the women haven't done a ladder match. We just have to do it to like check a box. It's like, no, man, like just give us a a reason. I know it's extreme rules, but that's boring. Um, 
you know. So anyway, uh, I just had to get that out there because I really enjoy both of those women, and I think they're amazing. They're, I mean, two of the best women wrestlers in the world, and it should have been better. And, you know, they're out there, you know, taking years of off their career doing ladder shit um, for nothing. Nobody's going to remember that. Nobody's going to care. Um, so, anyway, go ahead. Uh, what's your letter grade for the pay-per-view? Uh, B minus. Agreed. That's exactly what I was thinking. Jesus Christ, this is boring. Think, Mark! <laughs> let's, get, <laughs> let's get to that two count. One, two, three! I'm to say, I got the sneaky suspicion. We ain't going to be green for too much longer. Two beer. What's the two count? Uh, two count, we can talk a little AW. Um, I mean... I didn't watch Battle of the Belts, and I don't think a lot of people did. Um, I watched it. I have the card here. A couple of the matches look like they would have been good, particularly the, the trios match, Death Triangle versus Dark Order, and um, Pack versus Trip Beretta. I mean, that all sounds um, good and fine. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, AEW's got some work to do as far as uh, some marquee matches on Rampage and those Battle of the Belts things are supposed to be special and it didn't feel special enough for me to tune in um, and I watched Smackdown you know what I mean um, so that is what it is but if you guys got anything to say I, I don't I don't have anything for Rampage nor do I uh, just because I watched it uh, the, big, the biggest thing that I took away from Rampage is the uh, the Death Triangle Dark Order uh, main event. It really it started the the week before, obviously with Pack using the hammer. Reinforced it here. Uh, triple downed on it on the the Battle of the Belts uh, episode with him using it again to beat uh, Trent. So by the time that Wednesday night comes around, it really felt like coming into the match you had a heelish. Not even a heelish, a heel pock versus the babyface Orange Cassidy. From there, um, good to see FTR back on uh, AEW television. Jade versus Willow, better than you might have thought. Um, Anna J or Anna and Anna and uh, Ty Conte versus Madison J and Sky Blue, as bad as you might have thought. And then Tony Nese versus Varsity Blondes. Uh, it sets up the angle for Wednesday night's uh, acclaimed spot with Mark Sterling. I think I covered it. Yeah, we covered it. So, um, mocked our BCC versus uh, Roosh and Private Party, another uh, Matt Hardy angle that popped up on Wednesday night as well. So, I mean, yeah, it, probably if you really liked, if you were like AEW watched, for me, it was just one of those weekends where I felt like I needed to watch just to be safe. And it made Wednesday night – much easier to watch. Not saying that, you know, if you only watch Wednesdays, like the majority of the times that we do, uh, it's not easy to watch, but it, it just made, you know, the background make more sense than it normally does. Right on. Uh, yeah, it is just kind of a, a struggle. There's a lot of wrestling out there, and so I feel like I'm a broken record. Tell me about getting it. down on a rampage every week. But, uh, yeah, they just need to bring more – to the table if uh, I'm going to tune in. I, you know, and an like hour got the roster. Watch. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Although, um, Jade versus Willow Nightingale was like the most intriguing 
uh, to me that I didn't mention. I think Willow Nightingale, um, you know, we, we asked who, who, you know, what do you do with Jade? Uh, when does she lose? Uh, I think Willow Nightingale might be the gal. Um, she's got an organic following. Uh, people really like her. And like her promo on Dynamite where she's like, I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep trying. You know? I think that's good. Uh, I think she could be the gal. No, I totally agree. Uh, Willow reminds me of Bailey, NXT Bailey, you know, plucky, you know, fan favorite. Kylie Ray. Kylie Ray, great, good example. Yeah, same uh, same aspect where you have that plucky character that just, you know, no matter what, you know, I'm going to get knocked down, but I'm going to keep getting back up. That's Willow Nightingale to me in a nutshell. And I would, I would have loved to, not maybe on that Friday night, but if there was someone, if they would have booked it in that manner, if there was someone that uh, that could have beat uh, Jade, Will Nightingale for me is at the top of the list. Uh, obviously, this feels like this is going to be more for, like, uh, I guess Chris Statlander, I guess, was, was pegged to be the one until she got hurt. So I guess they're playing that uh, – the waiting game, like with Tony Storm, you know, we're waiting for Thunder Rosa to come back. Same thing with it feels like not as bad as uh, Jay. Jay has the storyline where it just, you know, she's just dominating everybody in front of her. And that's a story that's obviously being told. No problem with that. But for for me, like I said, with uh, shit, uh, Tony Storm, it just really feels like we're waiting for Thunder Rosa to come back. You know what we they should do is they should have the exact spot for spot match with Will Nightingale and Jade Cargill that uh, the one two three kid and Razor Ramon had, and she yeah. just goes over what, and is an the, instant star. What for the title? For the title, yeah. If well, if it if I'm it was, not, so, was a joke. No, I was but, going to say but for real. <laughs> no, and the, I kind of thought it was a joke, but I was like, you know, that actually could work if if people didn't I don't know, know if you can moonsault. I don't know if you can moonsault. <laughs> I, I would always, put, I would put fifty bucks on the fact that you could probably do it if if given the opportunity. You'd give you know give her like a couple of months to say, hey, we're going to give you the TBS title, but this is how you have to do it. I bet you, I bet your ass you'll moonsault like a motherfucker. Um, the only reason I hesitated because I was just like, is this a scenario where? Is she not big enough? I mean, like, not. I shouldn't say that. Is she not over enough? And she's over enough to where, you know, people would pop, but it wouldn't be, like, you know, as crazy as the one, two, three kid being raised remote. But it would still, you know, do the job because people would lose their shit, but not nearly as big as that, uh, that little scenario right there. I would love to see Will and Nightingale do it. I just don't think it's going to happen. I just Now it goes back to, you know, it's either Chris Statland or a bust at this point. Uh, we'll see, but somebody's got to take that thing off first. So. Yeah, it's 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 getting to that point. I I, I got to agree. It's getting to that point. All right, uh, so let's get into Dynamite real quick. And show opens with Renee, Capet, <laughs> Renee Paquette, uh, who is all elite. And this is not too much of a surprise. I mean, her husband, John Moxley, just signed a five-year deal that includes some backstage stuff. Um, they can travel together. They can make good money. Renee's really good at her job. Can we? Um, can we? Can we stop for a second and talk about this five-year deal? Um, yeah. 
John Moxley signs a five-year deal. I didn't mean to cut Zach off when he was giving Renee Paquette her flowers. She is obviously very good at her job, a very likable on-screen personality. She could do anything. She could be hosting NFL Sunday on Fox. She could be doing uh, Sports Center. She is a extremely charismatic on-screen presence without doing very much, which is something that is... I don't want to undersell her talent, and I'm not talking about how pretty she is or anything. I'm just saying that she has an easygoing way about her that is something that really can't be taught, I think. Um, So, all props to her. A five-year deal in pro wrestling is a long fucking time, man. That can A lot can happen in five years. And I think that it is... I would have probably, if I was John Moxley's agent, I don't know what he got paid. If I was John Moxley's agent, I probably would have been like, hey, let's just do three or something like that because five years is longer than AEW has been around. And if anything, the last two months of AEW have shown just how volatile that entire situation is. Five years is a long time. Um, what do you think about this, Jason? I would agree. I don't want to interject, but I would agree if you're talking about literally anyone else except John Moxley. Um, I don't think it matters to him. I think he's in this thing for the long haul. Maybe in 20 years he shows up on the WWE Hall of Fame show, um, or you know maybe a little bit before that. But uh, there is no worries about John Moxley going back to WWE. Um, He's going to do what he wants to do, and this just seems like the perfect format. He's the man. Outside of Jericho, maybe, like, even an argument there, like, he is AEW, and he gets to do whatever the hell he wants, and they protect the shit out of him. He's more protective than Jericho. Um, he's, he's, I think this is where he cements himself as, like, an all-timer with this five-year deal, uh, where it's this is the opportunity. He's already great now and he's going to go down like as a hall of famer, but like, this is where he has the potential to like really cement a legacy. You know, as somebody, as somebody anybody else, I would say short term deal for as, sure. As somebody who has a lot of experience with, uh, high value contracts like me, like it's, it, it's something that I, you know, I dabble in. I'm, Kind of an agent. I know you guys don't know this, but uh, we like, can only sign him for a week at a time on BFR. Like <laughs> short term. I'm saying you don't think they would have given them the same deal with the same amount of money per year at, for for three years? I, I just I doubt he even looked at the money. That dude's rich and his wife's rich, um, and he's not a material dude. Like just listening to interviews with him, like his last WWE offer, like he said, you know, they backed up the Brinks truck. And then they handed him another deal. He said he didn't even, like, open the envelope um, to even see uh, what the offer was. Like, he was just like, hey, he's like, I own my truck. He's like, I bought my mom a house. I own my house. He's like, I paid for it with cash. He's like, I don't, he he doesn't do anything with money. He's just one of those dudes that's like that. So I just don't think he's money motivated. Fair enough. Uh, So it opens up the Renee Paquette. Ah, yeah, sorry. That's um, a, no, I 
Don't apologize. I'm the one that took it off the rails. <laughs> and uh, I might have come across as like uber defensive of like what you were saying. I think it's very reasonable for literally 99.9% of the uh, wrestling population. I think there's like five dudes in like the entire rest of wrestling that are not money motivated. Um, but he's one of them. Um, well, you're not defensive and- about it, but now you've tripled back to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see you next week, dude. I can't wait to see you next week. We're gonna pal around. Okay, all right, stop, stop. Let's let's just talk about this really quick because obviously this is a programming note and this is something that obviously we hadn't really talked about or maybe even discussed until right now. We're not doing a pod on Thursday. We're doing it on Saturday. Let's talk about this off air. Okay. These people don't need to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whenever you get a peek and like you're delivering like uh, to, like your favorite kitchen, like you're like a mailman or whatever, and you're like you eat at this place all the time and it's so good. And you go in the back door and you're like, oh, this is fucking gross. Um, <laughs> you're like Gordon Ramsay on Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> right. You're like, this bad yeah. chicken in the freezer. <laughs> I was about to say, I used to like Wendy's Chili until I heard it was made. I was like, never mind. Oh, fuck that. that dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go what was the first segment <laughs> on Dynamite? The very first segment, an hour and 15 in here. Um the very first segment was Renee Paquette. And, uh, yeah, like I said, over with the crowd. Uh, she's Canadian, uh, debuts in Toronto, and couldn't have been a better place for it to happen. Uh, this crowd was hot all night, and I think AW seeing some new markets, being in new markets and, and hot wrestling markets uh, is good for them and not traveling the same markets where things are getting a little bit tired, especially whenever – People are having the conception that, uh, you know, your product is not hot. Go somewhere new where people are thrilled to see you. Right. Uh, and this, it made for a much better show. So uh, Christian comes out. Her first guest is Christian. And, um, you know, he just runs down the crowd with some cheap heat stuff. But, uh, you know, got a big pop because also Canadian. But uh, he, he wasn't his whole about thing, the Maple Leafs, though. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. It's like, damn, man. True, but unnecessarily rough. Go ahead. But his whole thing was to set up uh, the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy Jack Perry match and while he was on commentary. And um, this match happened. The crowd was super hot for it. Um, Luchasaurus goes over. They're dragging this thing out. I, A, would not still be continuing this thing um, for sure, especially – Christian has the same injury as CM Punk. So it's like, what, six to eight months out? Just like, just get rid of that feud after all out and do something else. Just have him be off TV. And, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to drag this thing out for that long. If that's what they're going to do, I don't know. But it just seems like with Luchasaurus winning, that's what they're going to do is drag this thing out. Um, Crowd was super hot. They were super into the Jungle Boy near falls. Um, just me personally, if I had the pencil, I probably would have Jungle Boy go over, book in the show with happy endings here. But uh, that was not what happened. I didn't. I don't necessarily disagree with what what you're saying about um, 
dragging this thing out. It's going to drag out a little bit. If Christian's ultimately going to be the end game, but I don't think you have to continuously have Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy for the next six to eight months. Obviously, that's unrealistic. But the way they ended all out is the problem. If Jungle Boy would have won right there, that probably solves your problem. You could have kind of moved on. Unfortunately, the way that they booked it, we're now, okay, Jungle Boy can't, you know, go out like that. There's just no way. So now you've, you've gone down this rabbit hole where you've got Christian hurt. You booked it this way. So now Jungle Boy is going to want revenge on both guys. Luchasaurus is the guy that's available. So, yeah, he's going to go after him. And now Christian has, you know, pulled a little fuckery to where Luchasaurus uh, – gets the win or whatever the case may be. So now, you know, for the foreseeable future, you've got these two uh, intertwined for a little bit. I don't think, like I said, it's unrealistic. They're going to go for six to eight months with this. But, yeah, I would not be surprised whatever the November pay-per-view is, full gear. Okay, that should be the blow-off for this feud. After that, no more. Yeah, like I I have – once Christian got hurt before All Out and then they had this what was basically a squat – all out, right? Yes. Well, it was basically a squash match. Then you knew it was going to keep going. Totally fine with me. What I wouldn't mind seeing is Jungle Boy fighting some other people or having some other segments on an AEW Dynamite. Jungle Boy is one of your 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 best resources in terms of young talent, homegrown talent, somebody that the crowd is completely behind, somebody that will pop the crowd. Ladies love him. Uh, Like you guys said, the Toronto crowd was off the chain. It made the show so much better. And is better. I'm uh, like, okay, come on, man. Y'all have to check that shit. <laughs> is that what they were saying? Oh, I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's fucked up. I, He's got uh, one arm. I take... I take umbrage with that. I know, I, that's why I said it. Um, <laughs> but I, I did. I thought the match was great, though. I, I thought the, no, I thought the, the match was really good. The match was really good. Luchasaurus can can go, and it was fun to see them go. And I would like to see them go again. That being said, like you said, full gear. If that's a November, that's a November pay per view. Sounds right. That should be the blow off. Good enough for me, but I was into this and I liked it, and I liked that Lucha went over too. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, I'm not. Mad. I'm not mad about it. What I would ultimately, Jungle Boy is going to win out. The fact that Luchasaurus wins this and the way that he won it obviously protects Jungle Boy. I was. I'm not upset. The match was so much better that the finish didn't by, hurt it. By the way, just as an overall thought, I know that I've been down on AEW the last couple of weeks. This felt like a bounce back week to me. I know it didn't to a lot of people, but this felt like a bounce back week to me. It felt like a. It felt like there were, I mean, three, goddamn near great matches, and uh, a couple great promo segments. So, uh, what was next, Zach? I'll agree. This was a really good show. Um, next was fine. Uh, another Renee Paquette, uh, you know, backstage at Stokely Hathaway, Ethan Page, just setting up a match uh, with. Private party member Isaiah Cassidy and Ethan Page. Essentially, it's like one of those like heel contract things. They're like, "Oh, you're now a part of the firm. You're under contract to us." Uh, but we'll have a match, and if you win, you'll release us from. We'll release you from the contract. So, kind of an old school angle. We'll see how it goes. But uh, you know, I think we're all in agreement here that 
some something needs to break away kind of with, with all of those characters, um, especially Private Party. They, they need some time to shine. But uh, then we had War Joe. It's ridiculous to say. I don't know if I like, I like a little bit better than Swarm on Our Glory, but like not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's Wardlow and Samoa Joe for the Uninformed. Uh, and they had a match with the Factory, QT Marshall and Nick Comoroto. Uh Match was, was fine. It was those guys just absolutely dominating um, some some nerd heels uh, for the most part. Uh, had a lot of other folks come out. Uh, Brian Cage, Gates of Agony, the dude with like the turban. Um, Prince Nada. <laughs> yeah, just a lot, lot happening. Um, and so that FTR can come out. Uh, because, you know, they have that history uh, with the Pinnacle. Uh, you know, FDR comes out to support uh, Wardlow, and then uh, Dax drops like an F-bomb, sounded like, uh, and uh, promotes Rampage coming on at 10. He's like, 10? 10? And then Sean Spears, who's also Canadian, makes his return as a babyface on AEW. So um, this was fine, uh, but uh, it was it was it was pretty cool to see, um, you know, Spears get a little bit of a pop. Like, I mean, the guy's like totally fine. He's living a fine life. Um, he has a very hot wife that he just recently got pregnant. So like not real worried about Sean Spears. She's very, you guys got anything to say about this? She's very, I, I yeah. think that, I think that she's very attractive. Um, Sean Spears came out as a baby face. Maybe it's a testament to how good he was as a heel. I cannot view that guy as a babyface anymore. Even when he came out doing this thing where he walks, you know, his entrance where he walks with his back and he jumps up a couple times and his arms are out. Like, even then I was like, man, fuck this guy, right? Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not go away heat though. It was like, oh, I, I, this guy just feels like a heel to me, but I did appreciate the, the synergy in terms of going back to the story where Wardlow and FTR and Sean Spears were all together in the pinnacle and they're all there except for MJF. So uh, I get it. I was fine with it. I'm fine with Warjo too. Um, I would prefer if they were Warjo and Wardlow didn't have the TNT championship and they were fighting the Young Bucks for the tag team belts or fighting the acclaim for the tag team belts. I would like to see the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega back as soon as possible, though. Like, I could not give a fuck about CM Punk anymore because the taste is so bad in my mouth with him. But can we bring the Bucks and Omega back, please? Like, let's yeah, just please. bring Can, we, can just... we just have, like, uh, just a segment as a treat? You don't have, have to have a match. Can we just have a BTE as a treat? Yeah, can I just have a treat of those guys? Um, that being said, uh, this was a fine segment. QT Marshall, uh, I guess, find me. Uh, like, I, I'll... <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. God Dude, damn. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. QT, he, he's so hateable. QT I feel... is one of the best sports entertainers slash professional wrestlers in the business. He is so good at what he does. Nobody else is QT Marshall like QT Marshall is. Nobody, he's in, so good. nobody in this segment had Xbox heat for me, though. Um, I was I was I was down with the segment. It was it was fine for me. Um, there was one guy that had go away heat on the next segment though. 
it is funny that you mentioned that Warlow's like TNT champion. Like, Samoa Joe's also ROH TV champion. It's just two guys with single belts. There's so many belts floating yeah. around oh, that even the tag team guys have singles belts. Oh, I guess that's my only problem with it. And look, I'm just, I wanted to see Warlow defend the TNT title. Same with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's obviously done it. It feels like it's been forever since Wargo has defended the TNT right. title. They should be defending the titles. If, if the tag team division is as stacked as we claim it is and it, it's as low as we think it is, Wargo for this scenario makes sense because you made a, a match out of it. It continues the storyline that's happened before. Okay, I get it. But I don't need to see War Joe long term. One week, two weeks more tops. From this point, we need to start getting War to go back on track. Fair enough. What was next? Uh, he said somebody had go away heat in this segment. It was a Swerve Strickland daddy ass. Uh, right? This is the next one? No, it was Jericho Appreciation Society with Jericho. I'm not going to call him. By what he calls himself. Come on, man. No, come Matt, on, man. Matt Menard. Come on, man. Uh, now I know his name. I think it's the first time I've ever since said his fucking real name on this. And uh, what do they call Angelo? I kind of like what they, I kind of like Angelo. What do they call him? Cool hand Angelo, Angelo Perkins. Cool yeah, hand. cool hand. Yeah, that's that's good. I don't like Matt Menard. No, I, you don't uh, like Daddy Magic? Who? You don't like Daddy Magic? Matt Menard? No, I don't. <laughs> I know you don't. Save Daddy Magic at Menards. Uh, <laughs> I think that he. I think that he sucks. But wow. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm in I'm in the minority, and I've said this before. Like, I am not I'm not here to hate on stuff that works. And if people like him, that's fine. They can like him, and I don't want him to get off my TV. Well, I guess that's the definition of Xbox Heat, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, Xbox yeah. Heat is, I yeah, I do want them off my TV. But I'm not here to uh, deny a man uh, or to shame a man out of his living. I hope that he's making good money. I can't stand him. I fucking, <laughs> I fucking hate him. Bill is so privileged that he has to seek ways to be a minority. <laughs> I was going to say, man, every time I see him. Nobody, I- Zach, is more oppressed in today's society than the white man. Tell him. The white cis male. We have it tough. Testify, my brother. I was getting ready to say, every time I see Matt Menard, I, I think of this motherfucker. All this is, honestly, is it sets up what happens, obviously, down the line later on here in a little bit. I don't mind them, honestly, man. I think they're they're just another tool to get heat on themselves. Jericho, obviously, someone else when we talk about that here in they a little bit. obviously been elevated. Yes. By Chris Jericho. Without and, question. And... I I was wrong about that at the beginning. I was like, I don't think that when Jericho Appreciation Society started, I was like, he cannot, he he can't elevate these guys. These guys are jobbers, blah blah blah. Now they don't they don't really go out and wrestle. They go out and take bumps every once in a while. But they have been elevated. People yeah, know their names for sure. People like seeing them on television. They have been elevated, and that is the point of wrestling is to elevate the people that come behind you to make somebody else look good, to make people care about them. 
and they have no doubt been elevated. If it's not my cup of tea, I feel like I say this every week, so I'll just stop right now. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, so we did have a match between Swerve Strickland and Billy Gunn, and I did enjoy devil. this. It was 58-year-old Billy Jesus Gunn Christ. looking better. He's than 58? Yeah. He's 58. He looks incredible. It's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But Swerve is fantastic. Where are you going to play? Of course. Swerve is fantastic during this entire fucking match. Just just giving him the side (laughs) eye the whole time. He's like, God damn, these motherfuckers are weird. And he's like looking at the crowd like, you guys are weird for liking it. I love it. It It's so good. No doubt. I was wrong about Scissor Me Daddy. I thought this was going to bomb like nobody's business. It has taken off. It is, has it has a life it's of its not, own. It's not even. I, I was wrong I, about it too. It's not even close. It is. It is. It is Rusev Day on the AEW side of the ledger, and I'm not saying that you know since Times was ten. Tony, I don't. It's it is it is really ridiculous. I'm not saying that Tony Khan was trying to suppress Scissory Daddy, but it just feels so organically that it just happened. And Bowens and, and uh, well, what he didn't do was fight it. He didn't. The only thing he the only thing he did was Swerve and Keith Lee went over them at all out, and I don't even know if that was the bad call because now it made him even bigger. What happened? Well, we'll talk about the after match angle in a second, but let's talk about the match. I thought the match itself was good. I think, like you said, Billy Gunn at fifty eight. Held his own. I think he did a little WWE kind of throwback. Where you know I'm, I'm gonna pull my, uh, you know I'm gonna pull my ass out. No, I'm not. I'm gonna pull my ass out. No, I'm not. Swerve, I thought played the, the heel role amazing. I think he just feels like a natural heel, but he could do the babyface shit too. Plus, he's got talent in the ring. I think I'm just kind of waiting for Keith Lee is the wild card for this, but that's neither here nor there. I thought the match itself it worked out. Sneaky Swerve gets the win. Re- reinforcing the sneaky st- swerve moniker, which I f- obviously I fucking love. I just think that just this is why I love the acquaint because Caster is you know the the funny guy to me. Well, they're they're both funny, just funny in different ways. Caster is like overtly funny, you know, he's right in your face. Bowens is kind of like you know the not even the straight guy, obviously not the straight guy, but he has his own way of being funny. It's just a different kind of a humor, but it still works and their connection works. So obviously post match, go ahead to you can have the post match portion. Uh yeah, so Sterling and Neath come out. That's smart Mark Sterling. And right as they're about to do the scissoring, you know, the crowd's super hot for them if they really want to see it. Uh like you said, TK struck while the iron was hot, which is something that all promoters should do and we're thankful that he did it. But because uh, you never know how long this thing's going to last, especially if you fight it. So don't fight it. But the uh, story here is that uh, Smart Mark Sterling has trademarked the use of Scissor Me in professional wrestling, which is a real trademark that they took out. <laughs> uh, so this is like part shoot. <laughs> but, of course, it's AEW that owns it, not Smart Mark Sterling. But uh, very funny and is nuclear heat. Uh, whatever you are keeping the hottest, um, what do you call it, catchphrase 
from being uttered. Uh, the hottest catchphrase on AEW from being uttered. Uh, so obviously they're going to have some kind of match for the right, you know, for the trademark, and there'll be a big pop whenever they all get to scissor again. But the other thing is, is that it takes this the hottest act in AEW, neuters them, kayfabe style, and then it brings smart Mark Sterling, Tony Nese, and Woods up along with them because it's like, okay, so we're getting over. Now we're dropping the ladder down, and we're going to bring you guys with us, even if it's just for a couple weeks, even if it's just for a month, or even if it goes to full gear or whatever. They're dropping the ladder down. They're going to be like, hey, can Tony Nese and what's his, what's, what's his first name? Sorry. Mark, Josh Woods. Josh, Josh Woods. Josh Woods. We can drop the ladder down, bring these guys along with us, and maybe they can get over, or maybe they can make a name for themselves. Maybe they can have a couple big matches. Maybe they can get over. Like, this is what wrestling should be, and I I was a big fan, like a super big fan, of Smart Mark Sterling coming out and saying that, actually, we trademark Scissor Me, and he was like, don't do it, don't do it. He actually do it. He's like, go ahead and do it, because if you do it, I, I'm going to sue you. And it's like, that is... Sports entertainment, if you want to call it, but really that's just professional wrestling. Yeah, it's just it's, professional it's a, wrestling. It's an old school angle, you know, not saying it's like, you know, 50s and 60s old school, but we've seen it, you know, multiple times. I, I think that Tony Nese, uh, I'm not saying he's a total package or anything. He looks great. Duke can wrestle. Um, he's he's not the best promo, but Smart Mark Sterling is a very it's a guy that's very comfortable very comfortable as a heel manager and I, I like him and if you put him on TV these are the kind of openings that happen I guess when you have the Young Bucks not on TV, when the Luch Brothers aren't on TV, when you when there's a void, it's like next man up, Agreed, so yep. let, let's see what you can do, yep. so I, I again I'll say it, I really like this episode of Dynamite uh, what was next, uh, Zach unless you want to say something else about it uh, no uh, the, the only thing, the only thing I wanted to say about it, I just wanted to push back a little bit. I, I think maybe neutering was the word I took, a, you know, exception to when you were talking about the acquaintance. I don't think they're they're neutered, but I agree with what you're saying in the sense of you're, they're going to elevate uh, Tony Nese and Josh Woods up to try to get them. Yeah, about um, you were saying that they neutered the acquaintance, but they're going to bring it down. They're going to use the ladder to bring them, bring Woods and Nice up. I don't think it's neutered per se because ultimately I think we all know they're going to be able to do it again. We're just putting it in, in this scenario. We're just putting it on pause. They can't do it, but I think the fans are just going to really start to wherever they go yes. next is just going to be as soon as they hit the ring, it's, you know, they'll do their route. It's but then it's booking. just going to be like, you know, the, the, the whoever the next crowd is going to be, you know, oh, scissor me, daddy. And it's just going to keep building, keep Man, building, keep building problem, on that the only, end. The only problem that I really have with that chant is that Seven Nation Army gets stuck in my head Got stuck in my head last night, and then I woke up with it still in my head this morning. <laughs> Got your ass. I mean, it's so catchy. Like, do you think that Jack White knew when he wrote that, that it would go, like, across the world? Like, uh, soccer teams, uh, it's unstoppable. It's, it's uh, it, what what I think when I hear it, and I can't, I can't believe I'm getting ready to say this motherfucker's name is yeah. Enzo Amore. 
Oh, not me. I mean, oh, God. <laughs> I think about I, th- I think about that white stripes video that was one of the coolest videos of all time, where everything just kept fading into the background. And uh, I'll show it to you. I'm gonna get high here in a second. I'll show it to you. Uh, what was next? Nice. I think Smart Mark should have uh, subpoenas printed up and put under everybody's chairs, so whenever they chant that, he's like, "You guys are all going to court." Yeah. And, uh, God, wouldn't that be? A, wouldn't that be a great? That would be so yeah, it'd be fucking like, everybody funny. Everybody, look underneath your chairs now. Hold it and up. Like, and like and house shows. Have, yeah, and that hold would be it up. so. That would be so funny. Per, God Let damn. this motherfucker book, book the, the territories. Right? God damn. Come smart. On. Yes. Good call. Good call. Think, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had uh, an MJF backstage segment, which I loved, not just because it was uh, MJF doing what MJF does, but he also got interrupted by Stokely Hathaway. And while criticizing the booking of backstage segments, in AW, I get a positive way. It's like, oh, and look at this. It's the AW Dynamite trope where someone interrupts the backstage segment. How original. And I was like, oh my God, it's so perfect. Um, but one thing that was superb about this was two things. MJF had a normal, regular vocal intonation. He was not doing his yelling that he does whenever he's out in front of a crowd where he's trying to, like, control a crowd. He was just talking. And I think it made it come across as much more believable and much more genuine. And at the same time, he was doing it. He was speaking in a way that really kind of gave you a peek behind the curtain of the villain. And maybe this guy isn't necessarily a villain. Uh, He just perceives himself to be one. Where we started to see what is maybe, you know, we, we get these little peaks, these like chinks in the armor of MJF where perhaps he's a redeemable human being. And then like anybody that's ever met him, you're just like, no, like there's absolutely no way. <laughs> and he like reminds us like on a regular basis that he is irredeemable, but he's so good at giving off the feeling that maybe uh, there is some kind of redemption, you know, uh, you know, the Darth Vader uh, taking off the mask uh, or a crack in Darth Vader's mask. But, um, yeah, this was really good. Uh, And, uh, you know, he's got that chip and this plays into uh, the next segment. But uh, I don't know what you guys think about the promo. As a huge Star Wars fan, Eddie, probably, I'll I'll say it right now, I think Darth Vader is the the greatest – on-screen villain, movie villain of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Kiss my narrow ass. Um, him taking off the mask, that that kind of fucked me up because that was just like, ugh. You know, Darth Vader's done, man. It's the fuck, man. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> my boy's done and shit. I, I get it. You know, I know how it's supposed to end, but damn, you know, I'm still a little sad that Darth Vader is uh, g- going on to the, uh, the other side. Um, I don't... MJF is kind of just it's different shades of MJF. I I agree with ultimately I agree with what you're saying. I just I'm not sure where this is going. I like the fact that you know you're you're showing a side of you know I'm not the bad guy, but you know every day I wake up I look in the mirror I know I have to be the bad guy. You know I I get that I understand that totally. I just don't believe that ultimately it's going to 
turn into a, a babyface turn anytime soon, if ever, okay? I'm a firm believer of the track record, okay? If you've done something once, all right, you know, it's one time. Shit happens. You've done it a second time, all right, motherfucker, you know, that's twice. You do, you do it three times or more, you know, this is habitual. You, you're a habitual line stepper, as uh, Charlie Murphy would like to say. To me, MJF is a habitual line stepper. I, I'm just waiting for him to step over this next line. I, I appreciate you. You know, you want to try to throw me off the set, motherfucker. I'm not fooled. I am not fooled. I'm waiting for him to have this. Next week is Mox versus Page. It wouldn't surprise me not one goddamn bit if MJF teased it, attempted, cashed it in successfully, all of the above. None of that would surprise me because that's what MJF does. I like the vulnerability, but I don't believe it for one second at all. Crocodile tears. Okay. <laughs> tell it how you want to tell it, motherfucker. I'm waving. I see how this works. It's the scorpion and the frog, man. You know how this motherfucker is going in. Now, if you want to have the scorpion on your back, that's your business. Yep. No, I'm with you. Uh, but it is fun, and it makes for compelling television. With, so, without uh, question, I, I just—I think it makes it more compelling because even though they switch the rules, the chip that can be that can be cashed in at any point, and the person who's holding it now, more especially, makes it that much more intriguing. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, just we're still just finishing up the uh, the MJF uh, segment. Uh. You know, MJF, the backstage thing, I wanted to, I don't know what he's doing with Stokely Hathaway. Like, is he turning babyface, or is this just a a case of two heels hating each other? Like, because he already gave two strikes, and the firm has not been here that long for him to already have two strikes. So it looks like they're kind of on their way out from this. But to Zach's point of him speaking in normal cadence, there are times where I watch MJF and I want to hate him because I'm like, he's young, he's a fucking cocky motherfucker, you know, he yelled at me about almost getting chicken wing sauce on his scarf that one time, and it's like, fuck this young guy, I'm fucking, I'm a man, I'm 40, you know, <laughs> too, and... At the same time, he cuts his promo, and it's he cut that promo on Regal. It's like, God damn, that's a really good promo. That is just a fucking solid, like, it's a solid, classic-style, pro-wrestling heel promo that there you can't have any issue with. There was no, there wasn't any shoot stuff in it, which, frankly, I could, let's, let's do away with the shoot the work shoot stuff for yeah, a little AW while, you know, sit, yeah, they, they need but, to put that uh, play on the bench for yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We've, we've had it for a while now and it's, it's kind of like it, if everything's a work shoot, then nothing's a work shoot. So let's just have some work stuff for a while. Um, I, I really enjoyed this segment. I really enjoyed MJF. I can't, I can't lie. Yeah. I'm not he here. To, the, I'm not here to lie. I'm here to be a, be an honest, uh, objective arbiter of professional wrestling. Hey man, for that baby. No, like I said, I just, I just don't believe it. Ultimately, I'm just waiting for him to, to, and to I, just and, turn and, on somebody. And, to where and, I'm just like, see, there you and, go. And I would say the same thing about the next segment also, which was Hangman and Moxley. Uh, what you think about that, Zach? 
Uh, I thought MJF was one of the better parts of it, and it was a fantastic segment. I always enjoy MJF on screen. But, um, yeah, uh, Moxley comes out, uh, gives a great babyface champion promo. Um, I'm the guy, been that guy for most of three years. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people end up crumbling as champions, some quicker than others. That was a big CM Punk. Um, I like that. <laughs> like, not gonna lie. fired, motherfucker. You ain't but, shit. Uh, and for the record, that's not a work shoot. Like, that's a work. You know, CM Punk won, and then he wasn't champion anymore. Like, yeah, that, they did business. That's a work. Yeah. So Shrug shoulders. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, dog. No, it was, it was off white. Go ahead, Tuvier. Sorry. I mean, you you got to think that Moxley is so pissed at CM Punk, though. You got to think. Like, oh, God, yeah. In in his heart of hearts. Like, if, if this you were, if been you were so talking to so much him, money. So God, much money. I'd love to be a fly on the wall of the AA meeting when Moxley cuts a promo on Punk, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> can you can you imagine Moxley in AA meeting, like a bunch of fucking dudes just sitting around smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, and like Moxley goes out there and cuts a huge promo on Punk. I can't believe and then they're like, this okay. motherfucker. And they're like, okay, the uh, all right, Ron, after you're being champ. And then after he's done, they're like, okay, Ron, you're next. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, my kids hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta you gotta write that book now. I'm dead. <laughs> That's one of your better ones. I get easily, <laughs> you can totally see Moxley and get on the AA, you know, kind of rocking and shit like this motherfucker. Just Moxley and AA meeting. That's really. <laughs> I'm cutting this out. I'm writing the book. I need to write the book. Holy shit! The only thing that took me out of it is they don't like to smoke indoors like anywhere anymore. It really takes the. Um, I don't think so. AA meetings. Okay, I I don't know. I've never been to one. Um, What did you think about Hangman's promo here? Because it seemed to be universally loved. It was definitely a huge babyface promo. What did you think while you were watching it? It started. I thought it was. Go go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Tibia. Go ahead. I was just saying. I thought it was great, and uh, I thought it was especially fun that he did the old Ric Flair punch yourself in the face so hard that you bust yourself open uh, bit. And, uh, you know, this is Adam Page, and that is John Moxley. And uh, I think as much as they are characters, I think each one of them is that old adage of this is this person just dialed to eleven. I think both of them come across as very genuine and very likable. And maybe that's just because I like them both so much. But uh, I am rooting for both of these guys next week in Cincinnati. For me, it it started off, I wasn't sure where. So that's next week on Dynamite? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I wasn't sure where Adam Page was going at first, but then he got it back on track. And just like you said, to me, this was one of his better promos that he's cut since he's been in AEW, solid babyface promo, basically calling him shot and saying he's going to be the next world champion, you know, come hell or high water. And that's what you want from your chasing babyface contender. Face versus face next week in John Moxley's hometown. 
if MJF cashed this shit in successfully, he's he going to need security to get out that motherfucker alive. All right, so this is my opinion of the Adam Page babyface promo. I was watching it being very cynical. I was watching it being like him yelling at Moxley because Moxley called him a kid, and he was like, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. It was like, <laughs> I was kind of like the, uh, maybe Zach can help me out here. What's the Shakespeare play where he's like, you doth protest too much. It's like, if you keep yelling about how you're a man, then maybe you don't really feel like a man. You know what I mean? But then I thought, you know, this is a Dusty Rhodes type promo like hey fuck you it's like i've fathered a child i have i'm i I'm married I, to I, i'm married to the woman that i love you know that is a I got flat, my own personal you know issues to deal with and then i i kind of shot myself into a work because i started liking it more the more i thought about it, the more i was watching it so i was very cynical about it at the beginning yelling i'm a man at somebody is maybe not the boast you think it is, Adam Page, but I was there for it. Moxley seemed pretty amused by it, to be honest. Um, him punching himself, <laughs> I don't think that he got the amount of blood that he thought he was going to get because he was supposed to wipe it on Moxley's shirt. That being said, uh, I was here for it. I, I'm more a fan of Adam Page's matches than I am his promos. I liked it, though. I thought it was a really good segment. I didn't like it as much as everybody else on the internet did. I, I no Hamlet. <laughs> I didn't think it was like, you know. Is that Hamlet? It's Hamlet. Have you seen The Northman? Not yet. Okay, The Northman is, ba the Northman is based off of the Norse uh, myth that Hamlet is actually based off of. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. We, we'll talk about Andor later, too. Um, cool. What was I going to say? It wasn't the greatest promo of all time by any stretch, but for Adam Page, like you said, Bill, it, it's not like he's strong on promos to begin with. So for him to cut something like that really made it stand out a little more. It was a pretty great babyface promo. Yeah, it made it stand I out a little short. more. Yeah, I like it. You know it. what I'm saying? So in that scenario, I thought, you know, he stepped up to the plate. I thought Moxley did what Moxley does. He's the bar. Uh, I know you. we talked, well, you guys talked about it. But for me, I get why you say three years should have been what he signed for. I get why he signed for five years. I see both sides. Moxley's much more optimistic. You're looking at it from the backstage volatility. I get it. I don't have him. If he wants to sign for five years, that's fine. I don't think he, if, if there's a move he makes, he goes back to WWE and at that point, he's not the number one guy. Right now, as it stands, and for the foreseeable future, he's the number one guy in AEW. Yes. And, there, and there's no two ways around that. I'm not begrudging the man the contract. No, 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 I'm no. Just... No, I'm just saying, no, I get it. I see what you're saying. It could The backstage volatility could fold this company. The The fact you might not be able to That's expand the, the base that you have right now might long-term might not be able to keep up with WWE. So you might not be able to expand. So this might be what you see that has, you know, factors into it. You know, if they get, if they get more money in, then obviously you can make, you know, more TV deals, blah, 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 so on and so forth. 
make that route. I get both sides. Let's let's keep it moving. We had Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho for the ROH heavyweight title. Daniel Garcia uh, inserts himself into the ending of the match. Uh, he, well, he basically takes out Brian Danielson. Reasserts himself as part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Y2J is still the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, which is something that if if you would have said two years ago, you would have been like, what the fuck happened in <laughs> professional wrestling Where now that Chris Jericho is the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Champion? What did you think of it, Zach? I mean, it was a solid match and a solid uh, angle. You know, I liked that there was, you didn't know which way it was going to go. Um, you know, you didn't know who he was going to hit with the belt. And then, um, you know, you could either have him join Fightful Combat Club, which would have been cool, or you have him stay with Jericho Appreciation Society, which is also cool. Um, so, no real loss uh, here or anything. Just a really solid professional wrestling match fun professional wrestling angle and um yeah jericho is still the ring of honor world champion but yeah if you would have said that a couple years ago uh yeah there's gonna be a match uh october 11th and it's gonna be brian danielson versus chris jericho for the ring of honor world championship minds would have been blown you would not yeah wouldn't believe it at all no doubt i haven't looked at that bowl right what the shit is this um, no, you would have thought the world would have broken down and like it was like on AM radio or something. <laughs> Is this ham or what? Um, I, I, would, I was not surprised with Danny Garcia hitting uh, Brian Danielson. I've been calling that You've for a while. You've been calling it for a while, yes. I, you know what? I should have started this out with giving you credit because you have been calling this for a while. You have said that Danny Garcia is not going anywhere. It just, he, to me, and it's, and I, this credit is words not, too. Thank you. But this is not a knock against Chris Jericho, what I'm going to say. But for me, Garcia is the workhorse of Jericho Appreciation Society. Don't get me wrong. Chris Jericho can go, okay? But Daniel Garcia is in. Well, that's not really, like, that's not. Yeah, of course he is. Who else would it be? But but, I guess. Matt Menard? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's getting ready to say, your boy can uh, do some things in the ring. I'm about to say. Can he? The some drop toe holds. The the, uh, the anarchy in the arena match. Okay, that changed my whole perspective on. I'm not saying he could make a broom look good, but I give him more credit than I did coming Who? into that match. Matt Menard. Um, We're not talking about Matt Menard. Okay, we're you, talking about Brian Danielson versus Y2J. You you brought him up, motherfucker. My point was is the reason why he wasn't going to leave is that he is the workhorse of Jericho Appreciation Society. So if you're going to have them on the show week to week, and now you have Jericho and Daniel Garcia as the top two guys (laughs) as the uh, the Ring of Honor single guys champions, I guess Samoa Joe, you can put them in there too, obviously. Um, It makes a lot more sense for them to stay together and have them moving forward. Blackpool Combat Club is fine as it is. I mean, with Andy Dan Garcia, it's an embarrassment of riches at that point. So, yeah, it, for me, it's no surprise. The match I thought was good. The right guy went over. Um, from that point, you know, it's the ring of uh, Jericho. 30 seconds apiece here, okay? Okay. Because we've been going for a while now. Uh, 
Jamie Hader and Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm. Hikaru Shida gets the pin again. The the fans were way behind Hikaru Shida, and this is another time where Tony Storm, as champ, as interim champ, Jason, I'm telling you, 30 seconds here, okay, where it looks like they've been putting more emphasis on the non-title wearer than Tony Storm. What did you think about this match? 30 seconds. I will say that going forward, my stone All right, that was 30 week. seconds. Zach, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm fucking around. <laughs> my stone cold lock of the week moving forward that Tony Storm will beat any and all competitors for the interim AEW Women's Championship until Thunder Rosa comes back. Zach, what did you think about it? I mean, gave uh, Sheeta a nice victory uh, to set up, uh, you know, her having a uh, interim title match next week. So, uh, going over Britt Baker is no joke, even a tag match. So, yeah, you would actually think either Sheeta or Hater would be uh, the ones taking the pin in this match, and that is not what happened at all. Sheeta got the pin over Britt Baker. So, I'm gonna say, this, I'm gonna say this as respectfully as possible. Jamie Hater needs to have a needs to really have a run at the title because Jamie Hader is really good. That's not the part I wanted to say respectfully though. I wanted to say respectfully there were some butts in this match that were just unbelievable butts. <laughs> like some real butts in this match. Now that's not saying that I don't respect what they do in the ring. I'm just saying objectively as somebody who enjoys the human form there were some butts in this match. Wow, wow. <laughs> wow really Zach, good stuff. Zach, uh, I thought Zach just hung up. I thought, I thought it turned off. Okay, and then finally, in the main event, we had Orange Cassidy versus Pac. Orange Cassidy goes over Pac to win the All-Atlantic title. I'll go first. This match was fun as fuck. Pack played into the Orange Cassidy style of match where he started doing the thing where he was going to do the soft thing and then he didn't and then uh, Orange Cassidy pulled it on him. This was a super fun match. I think we talked about this last week. I think we all agreed that Orange Cassidy didn't have a chance to win this match, but he did win this match. What do you think about it, Zach? Oh yeah, uh, great. The crowd really got into it. Uh, they really got behind Orange Cassidy and they did the right thing here. Uh, going into it, I would have thought the pack would have retained. But first time in Toronto, first international show, uh, they really made the impact by doing a title change, orange confetti. Um, it was the right move. And also, Orange Cassidy, we know we, we think he's a tough one, and he really kind of is. But he takes a lot of losses. Uh, he's also won a lot of matches. Uh, this is his first title, and he's been one of the most over guys in the company for years. So, you know, I think it's cool. No, it, it, I agree. It was time, probably time to pull the trigger on Pac being a uh, a double champion. Not nothing against Pac, but Orange Cassidy. I hate to even use use the term "deserved." I'll say the word "earned" the chance to be a champion. The Artland Championship is a good place for him to start. Uh, Brainbuster on the table, I thought was a little sick. Um, the way that Pac sells Orange Cassidy's DDTs, uh, just. It looks like it, it hurts way more than it, it, it really should. Uh, 
they these two just have good chemistry together. And they, they, they just really had do. another they had another really good match. Like I said, the right guy went over. Orange Cassidy's first belt in AEW. Does that surprise you? When I thought about it, I was like, eh, no. that doesn't surprise me, but when they first said it, I was like, oh, shit, really? Well, we've seen him against, you know, guys that obviously he's had title matches before, but just falling a little short. Wardlow, I think, was the most recent title match. No, um, shit, Will Ospreay. And, um, so this, uh, the Will Ospreay match was off the chain. But just falls short. Classic. So in this scenario, but, it just I mean, felt, as a match, though. Yeah, it just it felt like this was the right time. Right place, Toronto, like you said, first time being in Toronto, and they pulled the trigger on it. No problem with it. Zach? No, oh, you already spoke on it. Um, the thing that I was going to say about Orange Cassidy is that this match, like, sent me down an Orange Cassidy Wikipedia YouTube rabbit hole because apparently he used to fight in a mask, and I started watching, like, a bunch of his shit on YouTube, and I read his entire Wikipedia page. And he said about the Orange Cassidy character, he said, everybody hates their job. Orange Cassidy's job is he's a wrestler, but nobody wants to go to work. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, my God. That is the best. That is the best description for a character for a, for a wrestling character ever. All right, motherfucker, come on. He said everybody hates their job. Ooh, you want this big kick? Ooh, unbelievable! Ooh. But uh, congratulations to Orange Cassidy and Pack. They are two of my favorites, and uh, I hope they fight forever. Like, oh, um, good bounce back show overall. Um, no doubt, it was a it was a really good dynamite. No, it. it, it Better than the last couple weeks, for sure. I'm not as I'm not begging for the elite to come back. I'm more of the 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 thought that others need to step up. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Zach, any last thoughts? No. Let's get to that three count. One, two, three. Okay, so I wanted to be the wrestling hipster and go with New Japan as the three count, but we're actually going to do Monday Night Raw because Monday Night Raw was pretty huge. We will talk about NJPW, but we're going to fly through this shit. Okay, guys? Everybody ready? Uh, Started off with Bloodline and Riddle. We had Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. Any thoughts on any of that? Um, Sammy and uh, and Jay Jay Uso. Very fun stuff. Yeah, that. They're obviously now intertwined. If you didn't see uh, SmackDown, you, um, Roman's now made Sammy Jay's partner a problem, or whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's going to be the Gargano uh, theory. Um, I wish it was for the briefcase. I, um, ultimately, the match is good. I just, I just think they, they're not. There's not enough NXT ties for me. Zach, any thoughts on these? Yeah, I just wish it was for the briefcase because. Johnny Gargano having it um, seems fun because I love Johnny Gargano, but that's just me being selfish. Ray versus Chad Gable came next. I mean, those are two guys I could watch fight forever. Like, honestly. Like, even they were just running through, like, the normal, like, bouncing, like, run the ropes and shit. Sorry, Eddie Kingston, to use uh, some insider terms, like, run the ropes. We were doing so well. But uh, Judgment Day comes out, AJ comes out, and then we get Gallows and Anderson. Carl Anderson is currently the, and you know what? I've listened to a couple podcasts this week, and I've heard people talk about it, and I'm like, these guys don't even know what it means. <laughs> when they say, uh, he's the, uh, you know, these guys are the, he's the uh, never, n- the never weight champion. Jesus Christ. 
That's right. I'm going to have a heart attack. Right that's now. right. But that's what these podcasters talk about because they want to show to the listeners that they know what New Japan is, but they have no idea what New Japan is. So my question to you, Jason Cornelius Bell, as I crack my neck, is <laughs> did Carl Anderson take the match versus Tanahashi off? Because he was trying to keep himself healthy for his WWE return. Because that match was not good. We all agreed it was not good. Uh, wow. Um, Am I remembering that wrong? Didn't we all agree it was not good? No, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just, the question was not the question I thought you were going to ask me. Did Carl Anderson know that he was coming back to WWE, so he didn't sandbag, but he just didn't try his hardest against Tanahashi? Dude. Carl Anderson hasn't like wrestled hard since he was in WWE. Like right. he used to that, wrestle really hard. That is but the, the guy. That's that's the that's the uh, that's the the book on the dude. Is that yeah? Both of them. Like they got their bags and then like they take they off. Like yeah, they, we're done. They, they don't try. So they even would joke. Literally, they would joke at like out of the horse's mouth. They would, whenever they were being booked on Dynamite, they'd be like, all right, we well, want you guys to do a match in, like, the main event. And they're like, eh, like, can we just do, like, a run-in? Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Like, do a, we'll just do a run-in. I, I yeah. just, like, I, well, I was going to say is that I, I don't know enough of Carl Anderson or Google's like that to really form the opinion. What I was going to say was that the timeline does kind of make a little sense. What does it mean if the never-open-weight champion of New Japan is on Monday Night Raw and New Japan's uh, official NJPW 1972 at is retweeting WWE with Carl Anderson on it? What does that mean? It, 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 it means, has to mean something. It doesn't mean anything. It would have like five it, years ago. It would have been the biggest deal if AEW, on this podcast. If AEW was not around, it would be a huge deal. It means nothing right now. But does that mean no? Okay, I'll ask you, Zach. Does that mean that WWE and New Japan have some kind of working relationship, or does it mean that the old way of doing things is completely gone? I just think it means that. Carl Anderson was able to uh, do right by New Japan and do good business, and that was allowed by the new regime in WWE, whereas Vince would have been like, Fuck. "You're signing and you're leaving the title, yeah. and you don't, you know, you either drop it before you you get here." Come. Yeah, and WWE was like, it. "This cannot hurt us at all. There's no reason yeah. why this like, why would New Japan fuck with our bottom line at all?" It wouldn't fuck with exactly. it at all. We're the ones taking the talent. You know, they're they're the ones that won in that instance. Like well, they're in taking that case, the talent. In that case, I want Carl Anderson to start coming on Raw wearing the Never Open Weight Championship belt. Dude, if he does that, that does wouldn't that, happen without. That wouldn't happen without a working relationship because it's their intellectual property. So. They're not allowed. What, what if that happens? If that. that happens next week, I'll is, lose my is, shit. Is that our lead story? Fucking ain't right. It is. We talking about that <laughs> shit. I don't give a fuck what happened. Roman Reigns died. Fuck. All that. right. We had uh, Bailey versus Cancel Ray. We had Maurice and Miz. They pulled Dexter Loomis's hat out. Okay. So we had Omos versus the Jobbers, and then we had 
Bobby Lashley come out, Brock Lesnar comes out and F5s him twice after a German suplex. So what do we think about Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley? Most likely going to happen in Saudi Arabia. What do you think, Zach? At 10 a.m. on a Saturday? Yeah. Hell yeah. Down. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. <laughs> He's heating up. That's when us dads watch pay-per-views. <laughs> when we're folding Green laundry. in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I got some Norwex towels that need to be folded. I'm going to watch a pay-per-view. <laughs> Fry some eggs on a piece of toast. Holy wake, shit. Wake and bake, and I mean wake and bake some muffins, baby, because it's Saturday. <laughs> He's heating up. He's heating up. Think, Mark. Oh, <laughs> no, dog. <laughs> he said he's going to be some muffins. Um, go ahead, Tubi. I'm sorry. I was going to jump in. No, that's it, man. It's, uh, Dream Mask is going to happen on a Blood Money show, but uh, it is uh, conveniently timed for my enjoyment, so just shoot it into my veins, man. It is a it is a dream match, though, right? I, would, I wish they'd have done it when Brock was the champ, but, I mean. I mean, it's kind of like seeing, like, a yin and yang black and white cookie, right? Like, they kind of look alike. You know what I mean? I said that on Twitter, and, and some of <laughs> was like, "Oh, you know, Bobby, Bobby wrestled in the Bellator, and you know, Brock was USC." I'm like, "Dude, it's gonna be like when it's, you, it's basically the same goddamn thing." It's gonna be like when I look in the mirror at a Pink Floyd show. You know what I mean? It's gonna be like a black light on me in the mirror, and I'm gonna be like, "Who is that?" No, <laughs> that motherfucker looks like Michael Wilbon. <laughs> I just. I don't know. I just, I get it. Brock is that guy, but it just, it was so just random. No, because. Yeah, but you popped though, right? No, I was just like, what the. You f- didn't pop for that? No. Oh, I popped. No. I wa- Look, I like Lashley. Zach, did you pop for that? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was going to do it. Yeah, Lester Lashley is, that's something we've been waiting for. Oh. It's never happened. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with that, okay? Lashley looks like a negative of a photograph. Part of the reason why, you know, we've had this. Well, no, actually, it did happen. Take that back. It was uh, the Royal Rumble match. Lashley beat Brock Lesnar. When? Royal Rumble. The last one that we were at? No, and... uh, well, not the one we were at, but I'm just talking about the one that was here in St. Louis because Roman Reigns got involved in the match, and that's how Glashley ends up winning. No. No, they ain't right. Is that right? They fought in St. Louis? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. All right, let's move on. Uh, so, coming up next, uh, we have Lashley loses the U.S. title Seth Rollins. We cool with that, guys? Because it's Seth Rollins, yes. Zach? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, the whole gimmick was uh, everybody's been talking about how Seth has not had a title for a long time. Well, so. what they did was they built up Lashley and Lesnar. Then Lashley gets an excuse for losing Seth Rollins, and they put the title on Seth Rollins. It's a very smooth line of storytelling, and it makes a lot of sense. So, congratulations. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking... And Lashley did beat Lesnar. And I'm like, oh, dream match. Such a dream match. I forgot that it happened earlier this year. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Wait, where was it? Here. The Royal Rumble. Not where I was there, right? No. This year's Royal Rumble. No, just in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, I saw that. 
I was Jesus there. fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Rollins reigns. I remember that Lesnar. No, Lesnar won the Royal Rumble that he won the Royal Rumble though. He had a match that night too. Lord have mercy. Whew, I got super high. Hey, shout out to Dave Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> he got me the tickets. Uh, and then we had Sami Zayn versus Riddle. Riddle goes over because Jay refuses to interfere, just like Sammy said, but after Roman had left the room, these guys are hilarious. Very much so. This is a very, very good angle. Within the angle. <laughs> what do you think, Zach? Oh, so good. Uh, Sammy is a delight. He's, he is my favorite thing in WWE uh, by far. Bound. So He is unbelievable. Yeah, he has the potential to be the biggest character. He has the potential to be a bigger character babyface than Cody Rhodes, who's like the most white meat of the white meat babyfaces you've ever seen. I'm starting it right here, guys. It's mid-August, or mid-October, I'm sorry. I was sorry. about to say, damn! Mid-October, <laughs> and I'm saying, this is going to be the Sammy Zania. The Sammy Zania. <laughs> He's not winning the title at WrestleMania. Calm down. <laughs> Come on, Sammy Mania. Look, hey, I'm not. How Russ, awesome WrestleZania? Okay, look. If he wait, wa- hold if on, he hold on. It, if he says it, don't. At any point, I, I'm cutting this out. WWE has got a hold of me because I'm trademarking <laughs> Sammy Zania. <laughs> no, hold on. No, trademark that shit. Sammy Zania, Sammy Mania, and WrestleZania. There you go. <laughs> got it. Find me WWE. Pay me. <laughs> I just what about Zany Mania? I mean, that's fine. What did you guys think about the DX reunion? Short, it was, short enough, it was perfect. Did you think Bray Wyatt was coming out? Somebody said it. I was just like, Bruh? I was like, but nah, that would. I think that would be a little too much. What did you think of it, Tuber? I like that they nodded Billy, you know, out of and also like in commentary. Uh, Corey Graves is lying about it. That guy's doing something with the office equipment right now. It's so good. Um, who do you but, think is uh, who do you think's having the most fun right now out of DX? Triple H, he's the one seed. Uh, Shawn Michaels got to be the two seed. Shawn Michaels is the two seed. Billy Gunn is the three seed. Road Dogs the four seed. Xbox the five seed. Who do you think's having I'd the most say, fun? I bet Billy Gunn is having the most fun easily. I was gonna say Billy Gunn, yeah. He doesn't have the responsibility. The other guy's got too much responsibility. I mean, he is in a current angle that, like, currently one of the hottest things in professional wrestling. Yes, easily. Yes, easily. I mean, it's it's. I mean, he probably can't even believe it. If you somebody said it on uh, radio this afternoon, I was listening to it, and it's one it's one of the funniest things about wrestling, man. He probably can't even believe it. If you'd have went back to that AEW initial press conference when Jericho came out, we were doing a pod at the time. <laughs> if you'd have said right then that Billy Gunn would have been one of the hottest acts in AEW three years later. October 2022. People would have been like, what the You've fuck been, are you yeah, talking that's about? That's exactly right. No they would, way. They'd have been like, fuck you. Yeah, Billy Gunn, my ass. Billy Gunn. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be hot? Yeah. I'm their ass, man. That guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's that dude now. <laughs> 
I, you could have bet 50 cents on that in 2019, <laughs> and you'd be a millionaire. I thought it was pretty funny, though, how uh, DX handled it. Because they didn't really... They didn't dominate the show like I thought. Well, if they, this also was didn't, they, show, they also didn't. They also didn't everywhere. They didn't take shots at Billy Gunn though either. They no. were like they were like he gave the he did the he didn't say Mr. Ass, but every, the, the whole crowd, crowd did. did. Right. And it was a nice little sing along. They uh, we know the words, motherfuckers, and he they did it the right way. Last thing I want to talk about is that LDF showed up on SmackDown before the pay per view with Zelina Vega as their woman with blonde hair. Did you guys see this? Yes. Yep. Very cool, right? I mean, we want to see Santos Escobar on the main roster. Yeah. Totally. This is a guy that could be challenging. If there were two belts, he could be challenging for the belt at some time. That's how good of a wrestler he is. That's also kind of how good of a WWE wrestler he is because he wrestles slow, methodical. Like, everybody expects these Mexican guys be all luchadors, but that's not the way that this guy is. He is an old school fighter. What do you think, Jason? Uh, I was honestly surprised with the Selena Vega move. Uh, obviously, Electra Lopez was the w- female member. That of- was your girl too, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. But that was your girl. You know, Selena Vega is you know it's not a bad replacement. Um, I'm just kind of wondering if they were even going to discuss that. Outside Don't get of that, so horny. man, it's been a little bit. Um, <laughs> outside of that, I love the fact that how the Phantasma is on SmackDown versus being on Raw. They immediately have uh, the hit roll uh, feud to go into. I really and think g- that Santos Escobar could be that Mexican superstar that they've been waiting for. You know Dom's, what I mean? Dom is a long ways away, raised closer to the end. Dom? Than, yeah. Mysterio? Yes. He's American. He don't even have an accent. Look, it, for WWE, they don't <laughs> give a, like a shit. He's like a white kid from the burbs. They, yeah, I know. They don't give a shit, okay? They don't care. Okay. It's close enough for I them. Mean, it's, I mean, it sounds like he went to Duchenne. <laughs> Santos, or something. Santos Escobar could be the guy for the present. What do you think, Zach? Um, you know, it's good. Uh, the dude is super talented, and he's good looking, and he speaks English. He's got a great physique, and he's a great wrestler. Um, I think that it could absolutely okay. be right. that guy. Uh, real quick, stop so the, of, take your hand off your dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of. Um, Mexican wrestlers, uh, we got Triple Mania coming up. Uh, pick your brain. We've got uh, Ray Phoenix versus uh, Vikingo, which is <laughs> and uh, it's gonna be real good. Dude, but, I'll, uh, I'll watch that. You know how hard I'll root for Phoenix. <laughs> we also have. Uh, it's gonna be really good. I still think that have... like Vikingo is a psyop that you guys are pulling on me. <laughs> Like, oh, um, yeah, re- let's reroute his internet. So, like, the top 10 of PWI says Vikingo, which is some guy that doesn't exist. <laughs> Real Truman Show shit. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, Vikingo. And you guys are still like, uh, you want to see Phoenix versus Vikingo? And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds fun. And you guys fucking men in black flash me. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so you guys do the exact same thing next week? <laughs> well, say, little does he know is really happening. There's also going to be uh, Pentagon Pentagon Jr. uh, versus uh, Viano 4, 
in a mask versus match mask match. Uh, I mean, and Viano Four is the same Viano that was on Monday Night Nitro. <laughs> like the dude has a gimmick, you know, for okay, thirty plus years. I was getting ready to say, I'm sitting here like, why does that name sound familiar? Are okay, gonna, that makes are, sense. Are you going to begrudge a man making a living, Zach? No, unbelievable. Great. Like, he's a legend. He's yeah, a legend. Sure. <laughs> this is the yeah. same anyway. guy. All right. So, are you guys ready to get to New Japan? Yeah, we could. We talk about New Japan real quick. Everybody watch it. Yes, sir. I watched the last four matches, all the title stuff. That's going to do for our three count. One, two, three. We're about to talk about New Japan. Okay, so yeah, I only watched four last four matches too because I'm not going to watch those bullshit four and four matches, three on three matches. So the last four matches, Master Wado goes over Ishimori in a non-title match. This was supposed to be Kushida's spot, but Kushida has hand, foot, and mouth disease. Uh, and Master Wado took over his spot. So, and then he goes over Ishimori. Uh, Zach, were you surprised? Yeah, uh, I mean, this was a day. What was it, October tenth? And uh, I don't know if I was more surprised. Um, He's heating up. The about Master Wado uh, going over Ishimori, or the fact that I did not have to Master Wado because I got laid twice on that day. I don't know which one I was surprised more about. Um, as a married man of 15 years. Unprofessional <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I was about to say, hey man, yell at him. We talk about me being horny. Yell at him. He get to rub that shit in my face. Twice. Horniest motherfuckers hey, I know. Hey man. Both you guys. Hey, was it good? No, 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 no. <laughs> Bullshit. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so. Yeah, the match is Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the match is okay. Uh, I'll just say this for the guy that watched the whole show, this was just a running thing. Uh, here he is. Of, of some, no, it, New Japan's no, it was only a, fan. It was a running show. It was a running New thing Japan's only of fan. guys that that here was lost. Go. The champions lost to set up matches down the line. Okay, uh, okay. thanks for explaining it to me. Yeah, well, you're uh, welcome, motherfucker. Yeah, no, what's going so, on? So, if you know, watch Jason Photoshop. <laughs> Remember when the empty seats like ah. no, I'm I'm sorry, Reba. No, I'm just serious. I'm just being serious for thirty seconds. That was the running theme, and this was just a part of the theme. Yeah, I watched the match. He did too. Okay. Yeah, we so both now get we, it. So now we get a fucking fatal four way so out of this shit. You don't have to explain it to us. You're acting like we're idiots. Then it shouldn't have been a surprise that Waddle won. That was the fucking start of his response. All right, we idiot. had Shingo. To, oh, how dare you? We have Shingo <laughs> Tagagi versus ELP in a uh, "You're My Daddy" match. Who's call your, me daddy? Who's your daddy, daddy match? Okay. Who's your daddy match? So this is some real uh, sports entertainment bullshit. <laughs> However. <laughs> I did happen to pause the match today because I was going to take a piss right when Shingo was pointing at the crowd, right when Shingo was pointing at the camera being like, you know, where he does this thing. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, Shingo goes over. ELP says it. What do you think, Jason? 
as a non-fan of the KOPW title slash gimmick, I would have to honestly say this was kind of funny just to have <laughs> ELP or dare I say Shingo having to say, you know, Shingo's my daddy slash ELP's my daddy. The match itself is good. Um, post-match, obviously, ELP has to say that Shingo's my daddy, but the low blow does happen. He breaks the uh, the KOPW trophy. So this feud looks like it's going to go on. I have no problem with that. The ma- like I said, the match itself is good. I'm just, you know, not a fan of the KOPW gimmick. That's all. Match ruled, and the best part about it is that it's happening again. Yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> the way they ended this Joker, it's going to happen one more time, and I don't have the, a problem the, with After that. the match was a little weird. The pacifier stuff was a little weird. Yeah. Uh, but pro wrestling. Yeah, uh, for sure. That was the, the, the wrestling was so good. I think ELP kind of established himself a little more, especially going against Shingo, who I feel like is like a legitimate, one of the legitimate heavyweights that's not named, you know, Okada, you know, Tanahashi, Jonah, these guys. Shingo's that next big, you know, heavyweight, obviously the enforcer of uh, LIJ. So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with ELP. But Shingo at this ELP point. was a junior. And he had a really good G1, and now he's wrestling Shingo. It seems like ELP. Well, he's graduating. Yes, he is up. Yeah. On, he's on the main roster now. Essentially for uh, yeah. New Japan. Yeah, and it, he's, this, a, he's, a very, he's a very fun, very cool wrestler that can do comedy if he has to, which you have to do in Japan sometimes. Sometimes. And he's really good at it, and I'm really happy for him because yeah, for I, sure. I think he fucking rules. No, if, if there was the he can do anything. If, if he yes. there was the Intercontinental Title back in New Japan, I would have him right in that mix. All right, let's talk about the biggest upset of the uh, week. Real, real quick, uh, before we get into that upset, because that's going to cause that's going to ruffle some feathers. That ain't gonna ruffle uh, no this, feathers. I'm just joking. This match made me want to see uh, Shingo versus the Lionheart. That's what I want at Wrestle Kingdom. Chris Jericho, Lionheart? Yeah. That's what I want. Because we've seen a bunch of other stuff. We've seen him Painmaker. We've seen him against Naito. We've seen him against all, you know, Tanahashi, all these guys. I want to see him face Shingo. Nah, yeah, you're kind of getting me worked up for it now. Now I'm just thinking about it. It's like, yeah, that that would be good. That would put, that would, that would almost like make Shingo also. Yeah, it'd be perfect. I'm sure it would really make Shingo, and he is a he Shingo. He's a made guy, but had no. I don't know if he's a made guy. He had a great title run, world champion, but it was it was the pandemic run, though. Yeah, you know, it's like I want to see him. uh, Okay, let's talk about Jonah Okada. Uh, Zach, I'll let you go first. I think that Jonah is an absolutely fantastic Okada opponent. I think he's in, like, the top five of, or maybe not right this moment, but he will be if he continues in New Japan. He'll be, like, a top five, like, Okada opponent because he's so good. He's athletic. Uh, It allows Okada to be the pure babyface that he is by overcoming the obstacle. And also, Jonah could be the monster that he is by and throw him around. Um so good, uh, and I love that Okada overcame. Uh, I loved even more uh, Jay White's uh, press conference uh, discussion about how it should have been for the 
briefcase uh, just because, you know, Okada didn't have anything to worry about. He was able to overcome the obstacle because he wasn't nervous because he knew that he was still going to main event Wrestle Kingdom. But, uh, yeah, fantastic match. Uh, these guys should wrestle more often. Um, Joan is this year's Jeff Cobb, and that and that's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because they built them both up through the G1. They made them look both strong against arguably the the best wrestler in the world, and I think there's both positive things for them moving forward. Um, once again, I'm going to beat a dead horse. The IC title would be great for either Cobb or Jonah, neither here nor there. Jonah does not look bad in the loss. He, you know, he looks arguably better than he did coming into the match itself. So in this scenario, you know, you knew what was going to happen. Like we said last week, it would be borderline impossible to take Okada and Jay White away, and they didn't do it, obviously. But you know, the match itself, it just it made Jonah look like if if we could go back to see what Bad Luck Folly versus Okada looked like, you know, this would probably be the closest thing we could see to it. You know, there's something you just said there that kind of fucked me up because I was a big fan of this match. I was completely into it. I thought that because Okada was not putting up the G1 championship that there was a chance that Jonah would win and maybe they were telling the story that Jonah had Okada's number, you know? Yeah. And then you said, well, Jonah is this year's Jeff Cobb. And I thought about it for a second and I thought, man, he is nowhere near as good as Jeff Cobb. And I wasn't meant. I'm not I, talking I know, talent. I know. That, I know that's not what you meant. Okay. But in my head, I was like, Ah, fuck! This guy isn't nearly as good as Jeff Cobb. And maybe that's a bias because I've known Jeff Cobb longer. I was a big fan of this match while I was watching it, and I was kind of surprised that Okada won. But Jonah is no Jeff Cobb, and Okada shouldn't be losing to Jonah. That's what actually. That's what makes it an upset. When it happened, when it happened in the G one, I just, I just sh- shot myself into a work. <laughs> See, I'm gonna be the adult here. Just let that, go, let that one ride. Because uh, no, no, <laughs> I'm starting to do the bad in my head. I'm just like, no, 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 you're not going to do this. This is the very way trap, Jason, and you see it. Just walk around. It's okay. No, it's it's fine. Like I said, okay. the booking is where I'm talking about. I'm not talking about talent for talent. So, yeah, Joey was here earlier. So, uh, we had Jay White versus Tomatonga for the belt. Uh, did any of these, first of all, did you know who was going to win before you watched it, or did you watch it fresh? I watched it fresh. Zach? Uh, I knew. I watched it fresh also. Did Jason, did any of the near falls get you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Zach, did even if you knew who was winning, do you think a couple of it's, it's so hard to judge. Do you think any of those near falls would have gotten you? A couple of them got me. Yeah. The gun the gun stun was a great near fall. The that guns, was the one. The gun stun where White was being cocky. Yeah. And like walked into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the yeah. one where I was like, oh no. Me too. I no, say, oh, were you no. rooting against it? No. Or were you rooting for Tomatonga? Who are you rooting for? I, I want to see Jay White versus Okada. I, I get if you went with uh, Tomatonga versus Okada, it makes storyline sense. I totally get it. But don't you ever just get into, like, 
the one match you're like, ah, I just want that. Like, I know that Jay White versus Okada is the thing, but, like, you're watching Tamataga. He's such a great singles babyface wrestler, right? The next Neverweight Zach, Champion. Zach, you're with me, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, weren't you just kind of rooting for him super hard? And knowing what I know now, like I, like I just said, he'll be, I think it'll be him or Tanahashi will be the next never open weight champion from that point. Will Tama Tonga ever win the New Japan Pro Wrestling heavyweight title, Zach? No. Jason? No. Yeah, it's no. As long as there's other guys around now. Great Okan. No. No. Never? Really? Okay, I'll say yes to Great Okan. Wow. Just, uh, Zach Saber Jr. Pick, mm. I'd put him over Great O'Con. Yeah, that was going to say. No way. Great O'Con will hold the heavyweight belt before Zach Saber Jr. I would put Rinderita over Great O'Con. Okay, easy, big fella. Yeah, that's, easy, easy, yeah, big fella. Calm don't down. Do, don't do Calm down. Oh, don't do do Let him win okay. the World okay. TV okay. Championship. Yeah. Folks. Time <laughs> yeah, you, no, time no, you went too far. You went too far. <laughs> All right. So, okay. did you guys White? Did you guys, because Jay White, Tamatanga was 30 minutes, 31 minutes. No problem with it. Seemed a little too long, right? No. No? No. It's, nah, it's a New Japan main event. That's just what it yeah. is. You always okay. expect 30 minutes. Pretty good event. Give it a B minus. Yeah, that, that, that feels about right. That's going to do it for our three count. Or did I do that? Yeah, yeah she did. did that. Yeah. This is banned from ringside. Shit, I had to think about it. Did you guys watch NXT? I did not, but I did see that Sonya Deville uh, Jeez, jumped to her old girl. Fi- why are you finding it though? Well, there's it's just not enough for me to why invest are you my fi- two hours. Why are you fighting NXT though? It's like, not enough. You, I just answer the question. You 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 spend hours and hours watching wrestling. Agree. Why do you not watch NXT? It's not enough for me to invest two hours where I can be watching something else for two hours that I really enjoy. I mean that is, I I I just don't believe that at all. Like I don't believe it. Why Why would I lie? That's a great question. <laughs> of all the things to lie about in the world, why would I lie about the fact that I would rather? I have watch a great therapist. She a. is calling you on. Monday. Uh, so Zach, did you watch Grayson Waller versus Ilya? And then Braun Breaker came out and. Drag- he speared Dragonoff? Intentionally? No, I've had that. Uh, oh, yeah. Speared the fuck out of very, it. A very, very busy week. I didn't get to watch any NXT. That's fine. Grayson Waller fucking rules. Braun Breaker rules. Dragonoff fucking rules. JD McDonough. He got me too. It's like, I guess I can't root for him. But, yeah, he sucks too. <laughs> this is banned from ringside. Hey, guys, we got some birthdays this week. Nikolai Volkov. Jason. Canadian. <laughs> yes, Canadian. I'm going with Canadian. 75. <laughs> I know he's still alive. Miss Hancock, a.k.a. Stacey Kleebler, a.k.a. Mrs. George Clooney. She's she's one of the, one of the hottest. They're, one of the hottest. They're married? They were for a little while. They were, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I thought she married some other chick. She's my age. Born in 79. 
She's 43. Look at her. Tomatonga, the aforementioned. He's 40. Just incredible. Canadian. <laughs> last, last seen on the plane ride from hell. Dark side of the ring. That's right. Uh, he's totally 49. Oh, he's all over it. Yeah, I totally forgot. That's Kenny Omega. <laughs> this week, 39. I was say, I'm going with Canadian with that as well. Simon Gotch, friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's God, 40. God bless that dude. He can talk. Yeah, he, he was fun. Tony Storm. No, I guess. You fucking uh, pervert. <laughs> you fucking pervert. <laughs> Go ahead and guess. 29. 26. 27. Hey, everybody. We know there's lots of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to ours. For Vice. Check. For Tinder Mahal. For Joey O'Farrell. Check. From Dust Till Dawn. Double check. Pops. For Murray the Merman Murray. For Lucha Chris. For Patriot Pat. Check. For Reba the Dog. Check. For Millie the Cat. For Xander the Cat. For Edna the Baby. Check. For Aaron the Wife. Check. For Two Beer Zach Bowman. Double check. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Can Did I forget anybody? Now you are all my Support your local be- check. drug dealers, Black Lives check. Matter, and Boo the Heels. Boo.